Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast designed to analyze the games that we love, headlines of music, and the movies we can't forget. I'm Ghost Winsor Burns, but my counterpart kind of Savon Morris. How's it going, man? It's going good, man. It's good to get back and talk some sports. It's been a while for me, anyways. <laughs> man, sometimes within these episodes, it feels like months, and it's like, oh man, like we actually recorded last week. It feels like two years. <laughs> no, for real. No, seriously. Bro. Well, we have a lot of topics to get into for this one. Obviously, NFL topics, um, NBA topics with the in-season tournament, which, which we all know Savon loves, loves. Some album reviews. In the second half, we're going to do a review of the Godfather Coda with a special guest. And to start off with thoughts on Dallas's you know, dominant win versus Philadelphia, the Cowboys won 33-13 at home, and Dak Prescott threw for two touchdowns. They also pulled even in the division with their 15th consecutive home victory. And you know, this is the type of game where everything was clicking for them offensively. Obviously, like with, with Philadelphia, they haven't looked like the same team the past couple of weeks. Yeah. What did you see from this game? And is this more so more of what Dallas is doing or maybe Philly struggles? It's both, right? So we talked about this last week. What This was my game of the week, what I was looking forward to because of what happened to the Eagles against the 49ers. The exact same thing happened, especially on the defensive side. I thought it was – I didn't want to say it was a fluke, but I did think they were going to – clean up some mistakes the running game was working for Dallas they were yeah. I don't know what type of defense it was throwing against uh Dak Prescott looked like cover two a little bit middle of the field was wide open a lot of misdirection the, the Cowboys I will give them hats off to them the play calling was stellar Mike McCarthy did a phenomenal job preparing these guys for uh the Philadelphia Eagles and again I think the one thing I took away from the Eagles offense the running game is stalemating that was that's their Number one ML. source of yeah, moving the football and opening up the pass, open up play action, giving uh the the Jalen Hurt opportunity to to settle himself and not be able to throw as much because of his plague and injuries. They look exactly the same against Dallas that they did the 49ers. I'm thinking, like, what's going on? Something has to change. Something has changed. Either 49ers Cowboys are just better than them the second half of the season. Or the Eagles have shot themselves in the foot so many times and haven't played a complete football game where they're starting the mistakes that they, uh, you know, capitalize on and kind of maneuvered around in certain games. Now they're 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 it's their Achilles heel. So I'm worried about yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts still not 100. That running game with Gainwell and DeAndre Swift is non-existent. I mean, they still have the, the big time wide receivers on the outside with with uh, Devontae Smith and and AJ and AJ <laughs> look human. Shout yeah. out to Gilmore. Shout out to the old school having a uh, resurgence. Yeah, having a resurgence. <laughs> you know, thank AJ Brown for talking crap, you know, to him before the game. But yeah. I think that was the difference. They took away a lot of big throws uh, again. Jalen Hurts holds the ball way too long, indecisive where he wants to go. They need to clean this up. Before the playoffs, I obviously they make the playoffs, but they need to clean. They need to start playing complete football games to be able to go and win and, and make a run to go to the Super Bowl. Now they have me second guessing my pick. Second guessing? <laughs> yes, bro. What I've seen the past two weeks with prominent teams who are, have the capability of going and making the playoffs, they have been just all, all source. This offensive line is another one. I mean, it just didn't look like Eagles have is is ready to to make a run for the Super Bowl, and it and starts with Jalen Hurts. And that's the thing; it's like who they're losing to. They're losing to the teams that they're going to have to compete against in the playoffs. 
yeah. 49ers, Cowboys. It's not like you're losing to like these mediocre teams and you're like you're you're playing to the level of your competition. It's like no, you're playing against like some of the best teams in the NFC and you're not bringing it. That's what concerns me the most. Is when I yes. saw, you know, obviously that San Francisco game, that was one where people were like, okay, maybe maybe this, this was one where San Francisco thoroughly outplayed them, but San, Philly's going to bounce back the next week. No, this is this is no. back-to-back weeks of they their worst games of the year. Worst games of the year. This is the running stats, right? DeAndre Swift had 39 yards. Game will have 28. Jalen Hurts had 30. Yeah. DeAndre Swift is normally like 90 to 120 yards a game. Big pops. Right. Now the defensive coordinator has to bring everybody down. Now we got A.J. Brown, all these guys going deep, comeback yeah. routes, slant routes. They're backing up. So, and then hats off to Dak Prescott, right? Oh, Dak yeah. Prescott is playing Lights real out. football, right? This is the first year in a while that we have to give this man his flowers. <laughs> Got to. <laughs> is he, uh, I-, I was going to ask this, is he MVP? No. No. Who's in that MVP. conversation for you? Because like people are Tyreek saying like. has to be. There's Tyreek, never been a wide receiver. No Brock Purdy, bro. No <laughs> Brock Purdy. How? How is he not in that mix? Because bro? he has 50,000 <laughs> weapons that has yak, bro. What's you what's gotta, gonna have one of the best yaks? No, it's not. Well, it's a you know, okay, better all right, all right, all right. I'll you let know you get, better. I'll let you talk about the Tyree Kill, Tyree Kill MVP. No, no, I'm just saying, bro. You, know you really think Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy should be top? I'm two not saying that. I'm not saying that's that. that's what I, you're insinuating. Dak's gonna win it. That's what that's what I think is gonna happen. Dak's ah, gonna win it man. because this, this is, I'm not saying. I'm, Tyree Kill, in all honesty, it should, it should go to Tyree Kill. In all oh, honesty, yeah. it should. I'm just it saying how the yeah. voter, the voters will work because if Dallas closes out the year like 13 and four, one of the top two seeds, and and Dak is doing what he's doing, they're gonna be like, oh, Dak or Brock Purdy, we're giving it to Dak because Dak is a part of America's team, and that's like yeah. that's the yeah. mantra that they're gonna go with. Not saying that they should, but I think it's what they're gonna should do. Be. And he and he's had a great year, but Tyree yeah. Kill is in all ob- objectivity, he's been the best this year. Yeah, excellent point. I mean, I don't want to give it to Dak just because I want to wait until like the full on simple because he he'll get in a groove and then the end of the season, especially in this month, which he's 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 better this year. The month of December is his Achilles heel. I don't know what it is for Dak when it comes to December is his Achilles heels. I want to see the full ensemble of this of the, the end of this year. Obviously, you'll have some some playoff games. Um, like late December, early January. So I want to see what he does for the full month. I won't give it a Brock Purdy because Christian McCaffrey, uh, Samuel, Sammy, all, yeah, all these Jack y'all, yeah, these Jack receivers who are probably top ten, top fifteen in, in yards after catch is giving him these opportunities to have these big, you know, big, big numbers and stat lines, right? So yeah. I don't want to give it him the most. The most influential player and the best player this year is hand down Tyreek Hill. But yes. in in history, wide receiver has never won. They don't it. get it. I want them to change history and give it to Tyreek Hill. It has, at some point, a wide receiver has to be deserved. There's been a lot of Hall of Fame wide receivers, a lot of great wide receivers that had amazing seasons and got duped. There's there's time to there's give time Hill. There's yeah. time for it. But if if that continues and plays well the entire month, 
then for sure, Dak Prescott should get the MVP. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now getting to the end of Bills Chiefs and, and how Buffalo c- could possibly get into the postseason. The Bills won 20 to 17 on the road. And obviously, man, the the pass from, from Mahomes to, to Kelsey, which was then lateral to Kadarius Tony. Yeah. It was one of those plays that you're like, man, that was just that was ridiculous. It, it was it had the whole the whole stadium jumping. It was obviously yeah. one of those plays that that could have been easily top five of the year. But then Kadarius Tony does the the un, the unpardonable <laughs> the pardonable sin by just not you can't even see the football when he's lining up. It's like yeah, he is so offsides. It's like just blatantly, blatantly in front yeah, of exactly you. Exactly, it's, it's right. just blatantly in front of you. And, and obviously the um, Patrick Mahomes frustration at the end. Um, you know what he the argument he was getting getting to with the refs. It was just very it was very different to see Kansas City act like that afterwards, especially Mahomes and and Andy Reid based on. Um, Kind of the past when they when they've experienced losses they've been very just like hey like this is this is what happened we, we'll get better but yeah. it was more so they're like hey this is the worst like yeah. even Mahomes to Josh Allen said man that was the worst call ever and, and that was a bad look for him because I'm like hey you gotta Josh Allen has had a lot of losses uh, <laughs> has had a lot a lot of losses to you and you can kind of like at least at least say good game and keep 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 it going mm-hmm. but I do under I do un- I, I, I understand the frustration on, on Mahomes part because of especially because of that Packers non-call before the week and him thinking like oh this is a build-up the refs are like not give, going on our side what right. did you think about the end of that game and just you know also the, the 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 critique of the officiating well i i don't like a lot of these analysts especially Stephen a smith it's a lot of guys that is a laundry list of people that went after patrick mahomes character and i really thought that it was it was short-sighted a bit because he has this imagery that they've created NFL has created and possibly him created for himself that, you know, he always takes the high road, but people forget that this guy is a competitor. He's human. And he was extremely upset because there's an opportunity for them to win, which was an amazing play, excuse me, that could have been stopped before that. And they still have an opportunity to, if it's like a five yard penalty or whatever, they still have an opportunity to go down and still, call another play, right? So there's a lot of frustration within that. Do not attack a man's character because out of one game, out of his entire career, even when, you know, Scantley dropped that winning touchdown pass, what did he do? He took the high road. Maybe I should have did this. Maybe I think a lot of people are, it's, I think it's the same intensity of Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Rock. Yeah, because Will Smith has this imagery that he's created throughout his career that he always takes to high row. He's not a goody two shoe guy, but he has the the nice imagery. And when he snaps, it was like, "Oh, what's going on with Will?" No, it, I think it's the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. We have to give him leeway to be able to be a player and an individual. Yes, you're the face of an organization, but everybody has an opportunity to blow up. And I think people were so hard on Patrick Mahomes because they'd never seen it before. And it was like, I lost all respect for him. Then you didn't have respect for him in the beginning. <laughs> How do yeah, you lose respect? And that's the thing. Going? Like, and that's and that's such a great point because um I am in no way insinuating that, oh man, like I lose all respect for Mahomes. No, because he's human. He's a competitor. Right. I, I, I kind of find it weird if he was just if he was just like not going crazy at all after a play like that, because I'm like, hey, like, does anything affect you? Like, can you show some emotion? Like, he was showing, like, yeah, like I know I'm I'm the cool guy most of the time, but this right. is kind of this is frustrating. You know, I'm doing everything I have to do, but there are things not going our way. 
our receivers, obviously, he's not going to say that, but his receivers, they're not playing up to the, to the level. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not. This isn't the same team. And so to actually see him do that, um, I think it just caught people off guard because they're like, oh, my goodness, like, He's the go- he's the new golden boy now. He's supposed to like yeah. be the the perfect image. Like we can't see we can't let our kids see a guy do this. But it's like he didn't say he was. <laughs> but the the crazy thing about Tom Brady has had so many blowouts on the mm-hmm. sideline. Mm-hmm. Nobody said anything about his character. Nobody said they lost our respect for him. Even when yeah. he was going against Mc, Mc, Josh McDaniels several times on the sideline, going back and forth, or his offensive line, nobody said they said something. But it was not on the terms of I lost respect for him or he right. embarrassed himself. None of that, none of that narrative. Do not do that with Patrick Mahomes, who has taken everything on the chin. He, we should, he's, he's allotted at least three blowups oh, in yeah. his entire career. And I think everybody did not give him that opportunity to blow up and be an individual, which is crazy because if anybody else, I would have did the same thing. You're going to hear me. That's bull crap. I understand it for offense. I mean, on defense, you don't tell the defense where they're, they're close to the line of scrimmage, it's different. But when a wide receiver has to point on and off for the uh, for formation, it's different. Yeah. If he point, which he did, he pointed and say, I'm on. You, as a referee, should say, hey, back up. It's di- and I think Richard Sherman said that. It was like, well, if defense, they don't tell him, tell us when we're off sides. It's different. Y'all have to tell the referee if you're on and off for a formation. Then it's a legal formation. So I saw I think, Dan Orlowski, I saw Dan Orlowski on NFL Live say that he he pointed out five plays where um where it, it was Kadarius Tony was literally offsides. The refs didn't say anything. Yeah. Like literally five plays. They see him and then this play, they're like, nah, offsides. So he's yeah. like, okay, like you guys, you guys weren't walking the line, you guys weren't consistent either. So there is some accountability on their part as well. Right. And this is not the first time. I think it was another big play. I think it was the Bills. They were on the goal line. Uh, I think it was like the five-yard line, and it was the same situation. But they threw the flag late and said he was offside. And the ref- the wide receiver pointed at the referee saying, like, I'm good. And, re- and the referee said, yeah. And then he threw the flag. So this is not the first time. There has to be some type of repercussion for the glitches of referees. That's a big play. That gets them in a hunt to be either clinch their division or in a running to clinch a playoff spot. All these games, and that's a, that's a, you know, that's a division rival. So all these games matter. Those glitches, those mistakes by referees have to have some accountability. And I think that's what Patrick Mahomes and um, Andy Reid was trying to convey. Obviously they didn't do it in a way that was, you know, Deemed polite. Yeah. Deemed respectful. But come <laughs> on, man. Pat, and you never hear Andy Reid complain, and you never, never hear Patrick Mahomes complain. So why talking about they embarrass themselves? Yeah, that's crazy to me. Give just, them leeway. Give yeah, them leeway. leeway. Shut up. Stephen A is just getting on. He has been getting on my nerves the past three years. I used to look up to this man. But I like Stephen A a lot. I like. Stephen oh, a lot. he's a piece of doo doo, man. I love the Stephen, Stephen A. Smith show. <laughs> that show is okay. Bro, his podcast is so trash, bro. It's so so trash. <laughs> You are um, but, corny. Stephen A is corny, bro. He's cornball, <laughs> bro. He's corny. You heard it first from Savon's corner. Yeah, Stephen bro. A's- <laughs> corny, Stephen bro. <laughs> Stephen A is corny, bro. He's corny. Another interesting thing about Kansas City, though, before we move on, Mahomes has never played a road playoff game in his career. 
And this might be the first time ever that 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 we see that. Which I I honestly look. I'm I'm gonna say this: the Chiefs anywhere. If you got 15, you got a shot. And I yeah. so when people are saying, "Oh man, yeah. they're they're not gonna have," I'm man. We did the same thing with Brady. Brady any play, any time, any place. If you got him, you're good. And I think the same thing with Kansas City. Obviously, they they have to make improvements, but with the championship experience that they have, even on the road, I still think they'll have a shot. Of course. They went to the Super Bowl in 2000, well, it was 2020, 2021 with the offensive line that got exposed in the in the in the Super Bowl, but they made it all the way there with that offensive line. Cuz 15 extend plays and he does what he does. Like you said, if 15's on there, they got a chance. Healthy or not healthy, we've seen him countless times messed up ankle throw a pass in the Super Bowl I've never seen another quarterback do. Oh, my goodness. When 15 is there, it's hard to bet on him. It's hard to bet against 15. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now getting to our, to our next topic with the Giants win over Green Bay. Uh, New York won 24-22. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy DeVito let a clutch drive to set up a Bullock's winning kick. And this is the type of game, man, I, man I'm, I'm a, I, was, I was expecting y'all – to, to, to rack up another win, not be six and there's a six and seven crew. There's like three or four teams that are six and seven, like it, like dead deadlock. Um, to you, what did you think about the end of this game? And I mean, it, it was missed opportunities, obviously. But Tommy DeVito for the Giants, he's kind of been a, a running theme. Uh, like I have a have a been very current in terms of yeah. what the run he's been on, improving the Giants offense. Uh, what did you kind of think about the game overall? <laughs> The injuries in our secondary, and, and our secondary has plagued us for so many years. We've put everybody we can think of in that secondary. They've had big moments, and they've had some scratching head moments. That last draft was a scratch head moment. And we had a punt returner back there. We got a practice squad guy that came up. We got somebody that worked at a concession stand two weeks ago <laughs> back there. <laughs> and it's not like we're not getting pressure. It's just... And then I start a linebacker, Quay is out. We have some, like, there's a lot of missing pieces on that defense. And that's no excuse. Next man up, they had an opportunity to, to seal the game in the game. They let them drive down. Hats off to DeVito, man, finding a way. And I think his his speed is stupid, stupid, blah, sneaky, stupid, sneaky. How about that? <laughs> stupid, sneaky. Uh, I'm impressed at how he extends plays. I think that's the biggest thing when you're a quarterback in NFL. Yeah. A lot of pocket passers are it's it's becoming extinct to me because you have to extend plays. Even even uh Phillip Rivers had to extend plays. Yeah. Eli sometimes had to extend plays. So this is the way the, the I think NFL is going. You have to be a two-way, two-way quarterback. You have to be able to run, you have to be able to extend plays, you have to yeah. be able to step in the pocket too, but mostly extend a play. So I think the veto is really good at that. Um what threw me off was his his uh agent. <laughs> you know how you dressed. Um, I know he he has cannolis in his for. Oh, he's definitely got the cannolis for sure. Leave, Cannol- leave, leave the gun and grab the cannolis. <laughs> they said in Godfather. <laughs> he's definitely <laughs> living that life. He's living absolutely, that life. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely for sure, bro. But no, man. I mean, that I think that's the difference because the whole game it was it was dog fight, and then it just lets me know how young Green Bay is still is. They haven't been in those big moments to be able to, to win it out. No veteran presence. I mean, obviously you got Campbell, the defense, but he's in and out. But there's no veteran presence that that anybody has like won big games. Right? right. So I think that plays a role. They don't know how to pull through in certain games. Because 
all this season, we've had like some close, close ball games, especially with Atlanta Falcons, um, uh, with <laughs> with the Broncos. Like it's a lot of close games that were there, but it's just a little bit that as that is needed, and the injuries do not help. But the Giants, I mean Saquon Barkley, look look decent, and then I think the running game is working, and Devito extended plays. I think. That that's works, a man. They yeah, got a good formula. Works. They kind of got a good a good formula that, that's working for them right now. Tommy DeVito with uh, the the Sopranos Godfather agent. <laughs> Leave the gun. Grab the cannoli. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and before we get to our next topic, I, I did a recently. I, I just I just randomly wrote some notes down of teams that can win the Super Bowl. I did I did six teams. We got San Francisco. Oh, okay. Dallas. Okay. Baltimore. Okay. Philadelphia, okay, Kansas City, and Miami. Those those are my Miami. sixteen that can win it. That I think that, that can that win to, the Super Bowl. That can win the Super Bowl. Who, mm. who do you disagree with? Who, who would you who would you leave off that list? I'll leave off 49ers. And people you don't, don't think, think they I'm can crazy. Win it? You don't think they, don't think they can win it? The 49ers disrespect has to No, stop. bro, it's not that. It has to stop. It's bro. It's this is why this is why I say that, and I'm going by history. I'm going by every quarterback that has took the reins of this high-power offense who have similar weapons. Only thing different is Christian McCaffrey. I mean, they had Jared McKinnon and Muster at certain points when they had Jimmy Garoppolo and, you know, Trey Lent. Like, they've been to this spot where they can't get over the hump. They've been to NFC championships. They've been in the the Super Bowl, Bowl, came up short. So there is, when it matters most, I don't think Brock, Purdy. And again, I don't think he's an elite clutch quarterback. I don't think so. When Debo Samuel was out, when Christian McCaffrey had his watch come, they, he had struggled a lot. And when Trent Williams is down, I understand that, but he struggled a lot. I just don't think he can get them over the hump when it matters most. If it's fourth quarter, it's 30 seconds, 45 seconds to go. He has to drive them down the field and win. I don't think he can. Look, Jimmy Grappolo had the same, same M.O., that he they could have won the Super Bowl did not happen. I just don't think they have the quarterback situations enough to get you hear them that Brock. Home. You hear that, Brock? I hope he does. Now I agree now. with Cam Newton. I agree <laughs> with Cam Newton. He's a game manager. We talked about this. So you think Brock Purdy is an elite quarterback who can take them I to don't. the Super Bowl? I don't. But okay. the team he's got around him is ridiculous, and they got a Bro, bunch of weapons, and they can do. They damage. had that so many times, Willington. <laughs> but health, health last year is what hurt them. That's no, what bro. Hurt. I'm I talking really about so. when they went to the Super Bowl, when they went to the NFC okay, Championship. Against Kansas City as well. So uh, Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo and Brock Purdy are the same quarterback, system quarterbacks. You see the difference when when Jimmy Garoppolo wins the Raiders. He's not the same. He's used to the quick throws. It's not the same. He's a system quarterback. Brock Purdy's the same way. Same MO, bro. I'm telling you. They had the weapons around them those years. Defense as well. That's why I'm not, I'm not confident in them that in Brock Purdy, that he can lead this team and win a Super Bowl. I just can't have it. I just can't believe We're just it. just on opposite sides. And I'm, I'm yeah. thinking the 49ers go to the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm just going to stop. That's I'm insane. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> that's gonna, insane. <laughs> Again, that's insane. But you're going with Philadelphia, who you have doubted. <laughs> but I'm loyal to Green Bay. But I'm confident. You're confident. I'm confident. <laughs> In the if Eagles. I said Dallas, that would be crazy because I would be trusting a team that that has let let you down year after year. That would be crazy. If I picked Dallas, I I would understand you saying. Crazy. I think Dallas can't. I, I was I was going to choose uh, 49ers. You said Miami, right? That's also said Miami. 
Yeah. Yeah. Miami won't win it. I think they can get there. I should say they can. I think. I think they can. Who possibly can get, get there? I, I should say possibly get there. Not, they're still not, off. Baltimore's better. Baltimore's yeah, better. That defense is going to get them in trouble. And then we've seen countless times defensive coordinators get the upper hand on on uh I forgot his name. Tua. No, 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 no. The 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 head coach. Oh, the head coach. Um, shoot, Daniels. No, is it Daniels? <laughs> is it Mike? Um. Yeah, not Mike Daniels. Is it? Mike McDaniels? I think so. Why am I, I Miami's coach? I'm sorry if I'm missing your name up. <laughs> I don't know. I got his face in my head. Yeah, I, me too. With the glasses and yeah, like <laughs> the weirdo. <laughs> the weirdo. The IT guy. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> really, bro. Can I fix your computer for you? <laughs> Even how he locks his door is just like extremely weird, bro. Like I watched a video of going into the studio. <laughs> I just know. <laughs> but no, Miami wouldn't make it. 49ers. No, okay. If we're saying who could get to the Super Bowl, 49ers could get they to the Super Bowl. They can get to the Super Bowl, yeah. But you said who can win. I thought you were saying who can win the Super Bowl. I should have. Yeah, I titled that wrong. Teams that can get to the Super Bowl. Those six teams. I okay. Think then that changes yeah. things. Uh, Ravens won't get to the Super Bowl. Miami won't get to the Super Bowl. Um. Oh, that's that changes things. I, you, you, think, I, you, think only, you think it's only like three teams that actually have the ability to win it this year? No, there's more. I think this year is for the first time there's more teams that are like, you know, we, we got the regular ones, but there's other teams who can get like who can win. I do think the Chiefs still have an opportunity to win the Super Bowl. Uh, I do. 49ers can get to the Super Bowl, but I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl. Eagles, I think Dallas is playing like they can get to the Super Bowl and possibly even win it. This might be the year that Prescott is playing real football. But I don't want to jinx anything. What happens in Vegas? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) if Dak finishes month off with no interceptions, great QBR, running game working. But this is Mm -hmm. also leading up. This is also leading up to like the if they if he gets the MVP, it's leading up to the worst down forever. The Bro. the MVP of the league loses in the second round. They're gonna the media's gonna kill him. Oh my goodness! But yeah, I, if this is the first time, I'm I'm confident in Dak's play, man. I thought he was yeah, gonna he's killing like it. yeah make a lot of mistakes against the Eagles, but man, that defense. I don't know what's wrong with that defense, man. They C. give up Lamb so many points and yards. Oh my goodness! Nobody can hold him. Even Darius Slave is having trouble. And now we're going to our next topic with, with Jaden Daniels winning the Heisman. Uh, he became the third ever Heisman winner from LSU and had 3,500 passing yards and rushing yeah, yards this year. The first, and the and this is the time where hey, I'm gonna give Savon his flowers. He was right. When I when I'm right, I'm gonna go crazy. <laughs> he was definitely right. Even even Trenton, a, a good friend of the show, he's a big LSU yeah. fan. I told him on Twitter, man, you were right about that because I had Michael Penix Jr. He, he had Jaden Daniels from the jump. Um, to, to you, what did you think about this win for him? And also, like, man, he's even though they, they weren't, you know, didn't get a double digit win or, or make it to the playoffs, he had a phenomenal year. He was impactful for them and everything yeah. that, that they did. It was it was attributed to, to his success. Yeah, and, that, and that's what a Heisman winner or candidate should be, who changes the outlook of the entire game. And Jaden Daniels does that. He had a crazy stat line that I said last week: eighty percent of his plays are either a first down or a touchdown. I've literally never heard that in my entire life for any player or offense, bro. Yeah. That's insane. 
That's the same. So he's every facet of the game and on offense, he excels at. And I looked at Michael Penix Jr. Uh, obviously, you look at Bo Nix. You look at these guys. They are not on the level of Jaden Daniels and what he was able to do with LSU, with the batter LSU team who's still coming off. I don't think they recovered from that loss against Florida State in the first week. There was that that defense did not recover and in it showed. Yeah. But if it wasn't for Jaden Daniels, they would never be in these ball games or win these ball games. He literally destroyed these guys by himself. <laughs> Single-handedly. <Upset>. Sing- <laughs> literally, bro. They say one person can't change the outlook of a game. Ugh. Excuse you, sir. And Jaden Daniels did. So yep. he deserved it. Once I knew they were they let him in, I was like, yeah. He he has to win. There's no other quarterback or player who's had that type of season, that crazy stat line, who changed the outlook of his team more than Jaden Daniels. Hats off to him, man. Hats yeah. hats off to him, bro. Like to do that, and even I mean, it, you you rarely kind of see it with the eight and four team, but with what he yeah. was doing, the everybody, the voters, were like, hey, we can't deny this. We cannot yeah. deny this at all. He 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 is more more than more than deserving of it. Um, and now getting to our next topic with, with the Lakers winning the in-season tournament. In-season tournament champion Lakers. Show them respect. Name them properly. Pronounce them as they are. T- <laughs> they, they beat the Pacers 123 to 109. Anthony Davis had a monster game with 41 points and 20 rebounds. Um, and, you know, Davis also shot 16 of 24. I'm going to be honest, man. Davis, if you're not going to do this in May or June, I don't want to ever hear about this that line again. You. I'm Thank sorry, man. You. I'm so sorry. Thank Why you. are you bringing this aggression to a, a game that is not even going to amount to anything? You got the Kobe face. You're, you're 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 locked in, and I'm like, you could be doing this. This is the frustration, and obviously they played great. I'm not going to take anything away from what they did, but the thing in the back of my mind that I kept going to, I was like, he could do this every night. He yeah. literally could. Yeah, I'm not saying we expect you to do for, but like you could put up numbers like this, crazy numbers, because you have it in you, and we we see it, like we, we literally see it, and now it's like back to they 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 blow you know lose to Dallas, barely beat <laughs> barely beat San Antonio. Have a thir- yeah. San Antonio has a thirty to zero run. I'm like back to the back to normal Lakers, <laughs> back to the normal Lakers. This is what I'm saying, bro. This is the this is the the effect of having an in season tournament. These you get, especially if you're a Lakers fan or any other fan, like a Pacers fan, like bro, these guys are playing lights out. And then after that, it just declines. Crash. But I, I see what they're trying to do. They're saying that the NCAA tournament, whoever wins it, has a spot in the playoffs, regardless of what happens. I think that's stupid. Because what if that team is it like it will give an incentive, it'll give a lot of incentive. Bottom. A lot, a lot of incentive. A lot of incentive, but then are you going to play? Do the play-in tournament too? That's going to conflict because yeah, if that that almost cancels the play-in tournament, it's almost like why do we even have a play-in tournament anymore? Exactly. You know. So now it's going to change a lot of aspects of the playoffs in teams that are, need to get into the playoffs. But yeah, and now LeBron's hurt, and it makes and and. and <laughs> It makes you wonder. It really makes you wonder because a lot of people, because a lot of people are saying, "I'm going to tell you, man. The fact that LeBron <laughs> is still playing this, yeah. is still playing that way against, especially against Zion, who is 
feel so bad for Zion. He's been getting oh, crucified. Man, yeah. Stephen A, bro, we're in on Buddy, bro. I, that's so disrespectful. <laughs> so disrespectful, bro. But I'm like, also, Zion, you got to come with it, man. You got to come with He looked like unenthused going yeah, bro. against LeBron and AD. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna at, do at it. some point, at I'm some point, do it. You know, what? I'm not going to say it. Cause what? I'll be I'll be on Stephen A's level. I was gonna be like him dribbling out of court, thinking about, dang, I wonder when wish <laughs> come close. Can I make it? Um, <laughs> if, I, <laughs> if I drive fast enough, this game you the end. Like he like when he was dribbling up the court, it looked it did seem like it took forever. He had somebody to wait on. He had somebody that was waiting on him. <laughs> what am I talking about? Somebody waiting on him. <laughs> <laughs> like she's Hope texting, they my table blowing up. up my phone. <laughs> right, bro. He was thinking about everything but basketball. <laughs> but he got to get a bag, bro. He has to get a bag. He doesn't have one. And we we talked about this too, man. He doesn't. It's like he has well, like Giannis two did. moves. That's why Giannis, Giannis got a bag. Yeah, and he's working on his three point jumper. I think Zion has to really. I don't. I'm not giving up on Zion. I don't think he's a bust. I think he's still a good player. But his focus is not on basketball. His focus is not on basketball, bro. Speaking of somebody's focus is not on basketball, Draymond Green. <laughs> this man wants to go into MMA. Oh, he was like, point. he was like, hey, hey, wait, I did not mean to do that. I didn't mean to do that. I was bro. accurate, but I didn't mean. Hey, if you didn't mean to do that, you wouldn't you would have checked on him, but hey man, like Nerf, you good? You good? Bro. He and then Nurk was like, then Nurk was like, that brother needs help. <laughs> right. He deserved to be suspended indefinitely. Indefinite. He deserved that. Man. First, you choke out Rudy Gobert. Okay. And then less than three weeks later, you're back hitting somebody. Bro, like that was just accident. nothing led up to that, too, bro. Like he was just like, you know what? I got a feeling. <laughs> 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 You're next. Bro, next no, <laughs> he's trying to open up a dojo, bro. That's what I think, bro. He's trying to open up a dojo. He's playing a different sport. He's playing a yeah. different sport at this point. He's, Draymond, he's trying to do we're karate tired of at talking this point. Draymond, we're tired of talking about the same. We're tired of yes, talking bro. about the same issues. And and, and another thing, like he, we shouldn't, we shouldn't at this point of his career, especially when he's getting to the later stages, we should be talking about how great of a, a defensive player Draymond skill is. Like, not saying this is going to completely eradicate his legacy, but at some right. point, you got to be like. You want to be remembered for what you did in those championship years and what you did defensively rather than this. And this is like starting to overshadow what yes. you did in those prime Golden State years. Yes. And then it overshadow why they re-signed you. Like, if you're going to be a distraction and do these things, you're, you're now officially considered an old head, bro. Old heads. We talked about this too. Well, it's in pull shorts, hit you for no reason, just do crazy things on the court inside of basketball. You're not focused on basketball either. Like, there's no excuse for that. Now, when you choke Rudy Gobert, okay, you were defending. You can make the arguments defending your your teammate, all these things. But this was a blatant, flagrant two ejection. Like for no, it didn't nothing build up to it. So I don't think obviously what you say it doesn't take tarnish. His, his tenure and his career, but it does starting to overshadow the greatness that you, you've done. Now you're just resorting to these antics. It, it feels like, bro, you worse than Luce Brewell. He choked his coach. Man, but what? It, 
it takes me back to when you look at 2016 Draymond in that OKC series, bro, like athleticism, moving quick, facilitating, Tating, even yes. knock down threes. Yes. Was like, I was like, this was Drake. That, I, I was looking at back at those six, clips. I'm six. like, who is this guy? Like, right. <laughs> like, this is a completely different guy. It, like when he was making those technical fouls, the play was overshadowing that because like, oh Draymond's gonna break it. We know he's got yeah. that, that that issue, but now the play is no the plays the play is not at that not at that level anymore. So no. now it's just like these issues, these <laughs> tantrums. That's what's gonna that, that's what's gonna get spotlighted. <laughs> yeah, and now you're indefinitely. Now you're just collecting the check. Now you can't help your team. Whatever you was doing, I mean, this year I don't think they should have resigned. I think they should let him go. Yeah, they should have let him go. Man. Steph Curry is upset. Clay Thomas got started. got benched. Are we seeing the end of the Warriors, bro? This is this the end. Yeah. Clay should have been left. 2022 was the last year. Yeah. I don't think they'll I don't think they come back from this. Um, and now we're gonna our next topic with our Orlando Magic's current success. They're currently second in the East in 16 and 7. And Cole Anthony has just really settled into his role as the Magic sixth man and was a major part of their nine-game winning streak. Their bench is averaging oh. a, league, a league best 47.3 points. And this is kind of something that we're seeing um, in the league this year. Younger teams are like higher in the ranks, like Minnesota, OKC, they're top three in the West. Now Orlando, uh, top two. What has kind of impressed you the most about this team? And also, a bench is so important. Yes. Like if you have that component, you can like, you can have long lasting runs in the postseason, maybe not get extremely far, but like be a competitive type of young and upcoming team. What has kind of stood out to you the most about this team? I think they're starting to trust each other because they were the laughing stock last year and the year before. And then, then you go get, um, I always get his, his name. Paolo Paola <laughs> I The kid's a baller, bro. I see why he went number one. And then Cole really Anthony, I think Cole Anthony coming off the bench, adding that uh, switch of pace uh, with the, with the switch of the lineup. And they, and then, I feel like who still hasn't got his flowers in what he was able to do and turn his career around because a lot of people forgot about it. You know this, Markel Fultz. He's yes. been playing last year. He was playing lights out. This year, you know, some injuries are playing him. I think he's still playing good ball. They have a nice bench, and they have a, a old-school guy. I won't call him old-school, but they have a veteran in Joe Ingles as well. That, uh, I think he comes off the bench too. He hasn't got many playing time, but I think him, that presence, and he – Eagles used to shoot the rock, bro. When he, I think he was with the the Jazz, if I'm not Ass. mistaken. Oh my god! Yeah, when he was with the Jazz, bro, he used to he used to shoot the shoot the the lights out. But I do think with uh, Benchero leading the pack and them having a nice bench, Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony, this young squad, and I think Orlando has been so patient because they haven't been back to a NBA championship or made a playoff run since Dwight Howard left and Turkoglu and Jameer Nelson. And and uh, AJ Redick, JJ Redick, um, shoot, I forgot the other guy who looks like who was used to dark Kobe all the time. Forgot his name, Pinterest or something like that. Michael P. Mike Michael Petrus. Yes, Petrus. Bro, thank that, you. Yeah, such a good unit, man. Yes, yeah, low a good key unit. was a dog, the good dog. But they they've been patient rebuilding. I do think they should have they should have kept um uh Bolo whatever his name is. Uh, Bobo, <laughs> Bobo, Bobo. 
Ebola. Oh. <laughs> Save also, Ebola. there was so much hesitancy. He was like, hey, Wellington, you gotta get help out. <laughs> Please. Nah, I think they should have kept him. I thought he was coming off the bench. I think he was, he's not doing anything with the Suns. He's just riding the pond. I think he could have like at least 15, 16 minutes and he'll give them some buckets and have a defensive presence. I thought they should have kept him, but they let him go. Whatever. But no, this this young core rebuilding, and I think Machero is is a guy that you can build around and could be the face of organization. Obviously, he's showing that sure. that he was worth every month, every penny, and every money. Stop licking that, please. Sorry for all the dogs. <laughs> and now we get to our next topic with with uh, Bronny's first game in USC. Obviously, this past Bronny. Sunday, he line he made his made his debut coming off the bench and finished with. Four points, three three round, three rebounds, two assists, two steals, and and one block MVP? that was very very reminiscent of of, of his dad. Oh, yeah. Chase down block, chase down block. <laughs> yeah, two feet though. He came off two feet though. Yeah, <laughs> Brian could be um, coming on one. Yeah, man, those chase down blocks from LeBron earlier in his career, man. Different. Man, yeah, Different. Man. <laughs> staple. But, but, but when you look at at what Bronny, um, you know, obviously that major scare in the past offseason, we talked yeah. about that. That how that was just just so concerning. Um, what did you kind of think, you know, seeing him back and, and just fully healthy, which is the biggest, you know, uh, biggest uh, takeaway and, and what he can do this year? He looked comfortable. Yeah. He looked light. He looked like he was hungry. He was at um, home. Yeah, for sure. And I and eventually I hope that he, you know, gets in the starter lineup and gets more minutes. Obviously, you want to ease him back into it. That's that's a huge, I mean, it was like, uh, it happened in June, July, June. Yeah. Yeah. June. So, I mean, you still have to, you know, weigh him in a little bit and, and get him acclimated, but I thought he looked good. That chase down block really let me know that he, he got some stamina. He can, he can go back and forth. He, he, he yeah. can, um, uh, he can do a lot of things, a uh, couple missed shots, but that, that comes with not being able to, you know, get the feel of the game and not being able to play a lot. But I think he has a, a has a good future. Obviously, their season is not going as planned, but I think <laughs> if he would have started off playing, I think obviously that'll be different because I think he's a guy. Obviously, yeah. he can facilitate really well. He can run. I think when he's in the game, they can they can do the transition offense and, and get buckets that way. I think that's what USC wants to do anyways, but they don't have the players to be able to do it. I think when Bronny gets there, I think he's going to be fine. I think he'll, he'll average like 15, 16, maybe six assists. Two steals a game. I think that's. I think that get, that's good enough to get him to the into the NBA lottery. It's the NBA lottery. <laughs> yeah, I think that's good enough. He'll be like, we'll, we'll, we'll let you slide through. We'll let you slide right. through, Bronny. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have to do like. For me, I don't want Bronny to be like this guy who averages 26, 20. No, I think he's an actual student of the game and wants to facilitate to get his you know teammates involved. But he can knock down the three really well. I think he can finish at the rim. I think coming in. I think he's going to be like a calling Sexton coming out. Mm, you know, when he went to the Cavs, comparison. good comparison. I think they have the uh, same flow. But eventually, you see how Colin Sexton has come into the zone and become a better player in an all-around evolved point guard. And I think I think Bronny should play point guard. I think that should be his position. I think he's a shooting guard, right? Yes, shooting guard, yeah. spot spot up shooter. But I think yeah. that point guard position seems probably yeah better, better especially fit for him. yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and now getting to our, to our first album review with Nicki Minaj's Pink Friday 2. Um, in her new and fifth fifth album, this project has an extensive uh, track list. It's, it's packed with a, with a lot of features. The album starts with with the, with the reflective intro, surveys, triumphs and tragedies, plus has a lot of um, commercial hits in it. Um, and man, this is this is an album that was been it's been talked about a lot. It's been yeah. talked about a lot. 
Um, twenty two tracks in it, and I, and I feel as though with Nikki, she's gonna she's gonna put out a long album. I wouldn't expect a concise project from Nikki because of the commercial star that star that she is. And I think it has a lot of a lot of good moments in it. It's not a perfect <laughs> album. I yeah. think it has the it has the hits that she's gonna like that that everybody won with with Lil Uzi Bird. That's gonna go crazy. The the track with J Cole. Yeah. Um, to me, there's a lot of songs here that it. it it sounds like a 2010 to a 2011, like a 2011 album, but to me in a good way. Cause like when you're talking about female rappers, I don't think she's still the best one. Nikki is still the best female rapper right now. I don't think yeah. there's anybody, you can't, you can't touch her in that, in that regard. And I feel like this is an album that it sounded like a Nikki album, but she can, to me for female rap, she's still the queen of it. That was my takeaway. Like she's still the, the, the queen of the queen of female rap. Cardi B can't put an album out like this. Glorilla. Any no. of those girls, like when you no, look at the not. current state, they're not going to do it. Do it at this level. Uh, what were some of kind of your your takeaways of it? Not this much versatility. You know, I say I'm off Nicki Minaj because I think my ears for her has you know deteriorated because I like a I used to be a big fan of Nicki because the way she, her versatility, the way she. Um, set up songs, her bars, the way she articulates, like her different flowing cadences that she can to pull out the hat. Her versatility is unmatched. She's literally one of the best female, ra- well, the best female rap on paper and numbers. But yes. I think there's other female MCs that are better than her at rapping. But Eric. for full ensemble of it, from appearance, not yeah, not touch her. She's the best performer. Um, imagery bars like all around she's the best female rapper for sure but there's like mc light all these you know what i'm saying like all those female foxy rappers brown. foxy brown definitely could i think believe can out rapper but yeah. the full ensemble of it no nah, nobody's touching nikki but this it had it like you said had his moments i quickly went to um J. Cole, and I listened to the Uzi Vert one. There was a couple in there when she was singing. I was like, okay, Nikki's same formula, um, but still the versatility to find different ways to use her voice and, you know, to sing on tracks. It's all right. You know, 22 songs I thought should have been smaller, but, I mean, she has to drop music in a minute, so. Just 15 songs is enough. I'll tell you what. You start off with a Billie Eilish sample, I'm locked in. Locked yeah, in. I'm not Start off with <laughs> Start with a Billy Sam. <laughs> not locked in, sir. Savon's like, you're locked in. <laughs> I was uh, the whole time. This is for full scope. This is for full scope. This is for oh, full yeah, scope. Oh, yeah. I, I know. I know you are not. Because, man, it's just one of those. When Nikki drops the album, it's going to get all the attention in the world. Yeah, everybody, for sure. Everybody was mentioning it. Mentioning Rightfully it. And, so. And I, Rightfully yeah, so. Yeah. Because, because she definitely d- deserves that hype. Um, but like you said, the, the state of the culture has changed for her because it's almost like she feels as though there's a disrespect towards her because it's like, hey, I'm not getting the same streaming numbers as these other female rappers are. But they, she also has to remember that, hey, like the state of, of music is changing. They're kind of going for younger. Yeah. And she kind of, she had her run. I mean, she's still the best, but the marketability, they're going to push for that young, they're going to push for the right. Ice Spice and those types of female rappers right now. You're OG. Just have your OG status. It, it doesn't matter. You've done everything you can in rap. Like you broke everything. numbers. You got more streaming to most men, uh, oh, dude yeah. rappers. So they yeah, wish they bro. could have numbers like that. <laughs> yeah, wish, bro. So yeah, she's she's tripping on that front. She tripping. Um, and I'll get into our next album review with with Az's uh, truth. Truth be told, 
Um, in his new album, the veteran MC has uh, tracks that are kind of you know filled with elite displays of internal rhymes and a consistent flow with filled with wordplay. Um, oh, years man. later, he's, he's he's still got just an underrated pen that we've witnessed um, uh, since the early '90s. Um, and he he came up in that same route of Nas, Biggie, Jay, all of those kind of like New York rappers that. I mean, we're we're right there. We're we're right there with. <laughs> you're giving me a disturbed look. <laughs> What's up? I missed this one. Oh, you missed this one. Okay. Because <laughs> when you said AC, I was like AC. I don't. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> AC been on the list. And then I look back, I was like, Oh my goodness. Nah, you're good. You're good. Nah, I'll give, I'll thing, bro. <laughs> yeah, do your thing, bro. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll get my review on it because it's always interesting. Like even we mentioned with Nas, you know. Yeah. What he's able to do at a, at a later stage of his career. AZ, he came in uh, up in the same era as Nas, and he skipped eleven song album, concise, mm-hmm. and it may not be like the most outstanding music of the year, but it's still like, bro, the fact that he can still rap like this and the pen is still sharp yeah. is like he impressed me a lot. If if you have the chance to listen to, it, I think you would like it because his pen is very strong. He's a very like technically sound rapper and it has that New York New York vibe to it. So he's, he's is he like, more lyrical or is he more bar heavy? More lyrical. More lyrical. Okay, I like lyrical rappers who can tell Definitely. a story. Yeah, yeah, go into it. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we're Majid Jordan. I know you, didn't, Majid Jordan. I know you didn't miss Majid Jordan. Majid Jordan, right? It was. It was okay. It was okay. So did you have, I, did you have expectations for it going into it? No, no expectations. But I do. This is what I love about this album that they did something different. This is not like their their rest of their music, and then obviously they have um, you know newly signed um, you know bandmate in um, Naomi, uh, Naomi. She's yeah, working. Naomi Sharon. She's working. So it was similar to her vibe, and then they got into uh, some pop. They got into some like like some different vibes, which I really like. I was like, yes, because you know Majid Jordan can get into that little ram or that little pocket they're used to. I think this album is the first time that they were able to be to experiment on a lot of tracks and the different styles of music. I mean, I enjoyed it. It wasn't like a great, great album, but I think the versatility gives it points. I think the creativity within the music gives it point. Some of the music was like, okay, like what's the point of this one? This maybe could have like been kept off or the vibe, it kind of slows down the vibe too much. Like it was certain songs. I'm like, okay, that's cool. But I don't think it enhances your album. I don't think it brings anything to it. I think you just like the sound of it. It's like, okay, we're going to put that in there. But I mean, it was okay. It wasn't like. It's late night drive music. It's late night drive. Oh, for sure. (laughs) It's going crazy on a late night drive. Yeah. You and your lady, maybe, you yes. know what I'm talking about? You know, I was like, yeah. yo, and I was listening to this late at night, and I was like, this is a vibe. It's a, they, definitely they, a vibe, yeah. though. It's definitely a vibe. Definitely. But, um, mm. Not not the, the best for you, obviously, because they put out no, better. No, their first album has is, is been the best album Ooh. they've ever done. Yeah, Can't surpass it's, that. Can't surpass no, that. not at all, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. Um, and I'll get into our next review with, with Tim's uh, new single, Not an Angel. Um, in her in her second single of the year, uh, written entirely by Tim's and co-produced by um, her SARS, focus on leaving a one-sided relationship. It's powered by Tim's trademark vocal tone and, and strong songwriting. Um, and, and I think that this was a a good. It, it's not a single song, but I I think it's like it's gonna work on a um. It's gonna maybe I should say not as much as as um the, her last one, me and you, only me and you. I think that one was more of like 
the one that people are gonna like listen to more. And I think this one is gonna um it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a song I like a lot, but I think between the two, only me and you is the one that's probably yeah. gonna get more streams. Um yeah. but still works though. Tim's is yeah. her songwriting, her voice, everything just checks boxes. Um to you, what were, what were kind of your takeaways of it? Now you got me thinking, bro. Like it's in the cusp of that's being a single cusp. song. Yeah, I was or, just, I wasn't, I wasn't convinced. Like, that's a good point. That's a good point. It's not a single song. Now that I think about it, did you it's think it was? You said that. Did you think it was? Yeah, before? yeah, because it's in the pocket of what she normally drops as a single. So I'm thinking like, okay, it's it has some like resemblance of her, you know, other singles she dropped. And then now that you think about it, like it will be stronger on an album. Oh yes, oh, be crazy. stronger like going into another song or being, you know. Because me and you was definitely a single song, and yeah, I think perfect. I play me and you so much. It is more up tempo, more, 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 uh, little, not earthy, but more, you know, sun, you know, sunrise, birds <laughs> chirping, me and you, like you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but this was more like it wasn't as it wasn't dark, but I think this song was more earthy than her normal music. And I don't think now that you you changed my mind while it's I yeah, I agree. It's not a single song. But I do think it's a good song for sure, but not a single song. So baby girl, why did you drop this? I mean, we appreciate it. No, yeah, I mean, I'm not and don't I'm not criticizing I like the song a, a lot, but I was yeah. just you know, we always do our thing about single song or album song. And I was when I was listening to it, I was like, first couple of times I just I was really enjoying it replayed. And the third time I was like, wait, is this a single song or yeah. album song? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I, I think this one I want to be surprised for it. Like I want to like stumble upon it through the album or the EP or whatever yeah. you drop it. Like oh okay, this is a gem. Now it's like if I listen to it on the album and it doesn't flow well on the album, wherever you drop this at, then I'm gonna be like low key disappointed because you could have saved this for mainly the album or wherever you're trying to deal with this song. But she's two for two for this year. Two for two yeah. this year. Yeah, this for sure. Yeah, really smart. I like where she's headed. Yes, definitely. Um, and I'll get to our. Tyler, what? whatever her name oh, is. I was getting so much hate for that last week. We were like, yeah, Savon was right. I was like, man, get out of here. Put on my phone. Put on my phone. <laughs> 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 and now getting to our last review with Jack Harlow and Dave's uh, Stop Giving Me Advice um, in this new track, which, yes, yes, I like it. I like it a lot. Dave killed it. Jack Harlow gave a solid verse. This worked for me. Um, yeah. dope, dope music. I don't know if you saw the music video, but dope music video. No, and, and, and I, I, I really like when, when Jack kind of gets in, gets into this bag, man, like he, he, he can, he can, he can do a, a smooth flow. He can, he can do that yes. smooth flow and it works. He's not trying, he's not trying to do too much. He's like, Hey, I'm just going to be me. And yeah. on this track, he was just trying to be him. And Dave, it's just, there's levels to this man. Dave is, is like just the, the wordplay, the punchlines, all that was crazy. Um, to you, what kind of stood out to you for this track? I like that Jack Harlow went first. I think Smart. his voice, it fit this beat so well. And he wasn't, I like the, the cadence he had and how he, how he wrote, how he like started it off. And like some points I'm like, ah, come on, Jack. Like, like you could have tweaked that and left a word out so it can flow a little better. So it won't have that extra hump on the, the, the cadence bounce or the, 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 the sequence that you had. But that's me nitpicking. But I yeah. think this is was his best cadence voice uh, setup of the year. Like sure. this, literally, like I wanted to like be like, man, it's stupid. Like this is cr- trash. I couldn't hate on him. I couldn't hate no. on him. No, 
I literally started like I was listening because I was li- I listening again I before we started, before, and, and I was, I was like, like, this one. <laughs> it's like, oh, I want to hate it so bad, but he's dropping <laughs> his butt off. It is sounds so nice. Yeah, yeah, this was yeah. If I don't know if I want a full album like this for him, but I think this really gave me a new perspective on the versatility that he can have on tracks. But he doesn't like resemble this or do this in his album. Did I don't he do that? Like, what if he did a full album of this? I mean, it will have to be, he'll have to have features on it. But I don't think he can sustain that type of vibe through a whole project. His last track was Loving On Me, and that was a pop hit. So when I look at what he did then, I was like, okay, he's going to do more of that. Yeah. He's going to do more of the Loving On Me. I don't think, he, I think this was like a, just like, hey, I'm, I'm going to show you I can still rap, but I don't think he, we're going to get. Yeah, I don't think so this. either. I mean, it was, so I think it was, he's going for another commercial. I think he's going to go, 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 kind of go for another commercial type album. Just like nope. the, the, the Come Home, the kids. Um, he got like three like big hits. Obviously, um, the one that put him on the map. Um, popping. What's Popping? Yeah, popping. Yeah. And then um, it's two other ones that he... I know Nail Tech was another one. That, that Nail Tech was one? Oh, okay. But I don't think nothing will pop, stop, uh, top his What's Popping. I mean, it was ABC, but I think the way he did it, the beat, go crazy. I mean... It just it just worked like it checked boxes with the industry sound. And he's gearing up for another album release. He's clearly gear, gearing up for another. Yeah, album I don't think he should just do an EP. Just do an EP, bro. There's there's nothing. The more and more I look at it, what he did with Jackman was smart. Literally just ten songs, and I mean it, it wasn't it wasn't like obviously we had our nitpicks with it, but I think that's more of his formula. I think like he may have not executed it well, but the vision mm-hmm. behind it was. I was like, I like. I like the vision behind this because Come Home, The Kids Miss Me was like 19, 20 songs. It was too much. And it sounded Because it was insane. concise. That's why you like yeah. Jackman, because it was concise. I, I did, to, to me, for me personally, because I think he's better in small doses. I think a, yeah, bloated, I that. a bloated Jack album is going to get Yeah, older. it's going to get re- re- yeah, older and repetitive. Yeah, Justin Timberlake. Yeah, he had all the just, he's he's getting connections now. He's like, oh, I want to put everybody on. It's Body like, on it. Really, yeah, I don't want to leave really anybody off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I I, I want to see him do a, a like a, a real concept, you know, like these you know Jackman, and then he he did one where he had his shirt off in the back porch or whatever. Like that's not a real concept, bro. Like I want to see a like a concept, concept album. You. Yeah, I do, do it. I, I'm, just, I'm still not sold on him. I'm just I'm still not sold on that as the album aspect of him. I know he can yeah. do the singles, but it's just like I want to like I still haven't heard that album album from him. That's just like man, it's undeniable. He doesn't, yes. he doesn't have that yet. Timeless album, and that's what. Uh, before we move, do you think that that tar- not tarnishes, but that's a hit against uh, a rapper's career that they don't have an album that really is timeless, but they have a bunch of singles. So, are we going to consider him a one-hit wonder? To me, he would be if he does. If you don't put together, you. It's all about the albums. Yeah, not not all because like singles matter. But yeah. If you want to sit in that, that sit at that table of the elites and the best, mm-hmm. you got to have a good. You got to have a great album. Fifty, he had a great album. Yes, you know what I mean. Like Nas had had it. Has had yes. multiple great albums. Jay, Drake, yes. all these yes. guys. You you got Wayne. You have to have the albums. Like that's the, at the end of the day, that's what de- separates you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, before we before we close out though, Boz, his album is dropping tonight. Um, SZA is coming out with a new project called Lana soon. It was it was supposed to drop. I, it may it was supposed to drop tonight, but she's coming up with something called Lana. We don't know what it is yet. She said I, soon. 
she said December, but I I, I don't January. stop going. It's gonna be January, yeah. but she's coming with something new. That's surprising. Um, which is I don't know. She's kind of starting to push push some more stuff out, man. It's kind of it's kind of surprising me. Um, Kanye and Ty Dolla Sign. They said today, but they pushed it back. Which we yeah, all they knew. took it off. Yeah, they took yeah, it. They off. took it off, and we knew that was gonna happen. Is there anything coming tonight, or maybe the next, maybe in January? That's intriguing you. Joey dropped something a couple weeks ago that we need to drop a single. Yeah, he dropped something oh, with man, a couple of other guys. Joey, I think he's gonna gear up and drop an album here shortly. I'm I'm eager to listen to Boz. Boz gonna get played tonight. First thing, first thing. I was gonna play Kanye those because I heard. I mean that like that Westcom sample didn't really get me. I like the they posted a video of him doing uh, Ty Dolla Sign and Future. That was, I was like, oh my goodness! It sounded, oh. I can't even lie. It sounded. I, I oh. replayed that Sunday like three. I was like, this sounds amazing. Oh. <laughs> Who mixed this? Oh, this is beautiful. My goodness. <laughs> And that gets me hyped. And then he'll do that. And then some of the albums he did, like Donda, like he had some, like he like preview a bunch of great songs. I'm like, man, this one, what is this? What is my prediction, this? my prediction though, there's going to be some, some great song. Not, I'm not going to say it's, 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 it, bro. But it's going to be some great songs. Some ones are like, yo, this is insane. I think <laughs> I just, uh, <laughs> what Ty's underrated in his like being able to write hooks. Oh, yeah. He's so he's underrated, yeah, masterful, and his—I mean, his verses are not like crazy, but they're good too. It's like they're memorable. He finds different pitches, different melodies within, and I think with Kanye being a genius as a producer, those two—I feel like it's gonna be—it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, definitely. I feel like this is gonna be co- maybe the collab of the year if it drops. If it drops, we we might have to wait for January, but honestly. From the snippets I heard this past Sunday, some heat, some heat might be on the way. Definitely. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with our Godfather Coda review. Yeah. Oh, we started. <laughs> oh, sorry. We're My here. Bad. No, you're good. <laughs> Welcome back My to the bad. show. And now we're getting to our Godfather uh, Coda review. And we're, we're joined by a special guest, Allie Handy. Obviously, she's been on uh, Past Times, Vice President of the Witness BCC and host of Calming the Roots podcast. Also has a book out now, I Won't Shut Up, Finding Your Voice When the World Tries to Silence You. Allie, thank you so much for being back on. Well, thank you for having me again. This is one of my favorite shows to be on. So, oh, yes. thank you. That's an honor, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, this is fun. I always, I always enjoy being on this show. Absolutely. And to start with the overview, this is a crime film produced um, and directed by Francis Ford Coppola from the screenplay co-written with Mario Puzza. Film stars Al Pacino, Diane Keaton, Talia Shire, Andy Garcia, and Sofia Coppola. It includes the fictional story of Michael Corleone, the patriarch of the Corleone family, who attempts to legitimize his criminal empire. At a budget of $54 million and brought in $136 million for the box office. Also had an 86% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, to you, Ali, what were your thoughts on the ver- on this version and the changes you know made in the film to kind of get the story and, and reposition some parts of it? Yeah, so I um, like this rendering of the story. So I have to say in full disclosure that I am um, one of the people that, one of the few people that actually likes the original Godfather 3. Um, we'll get in, more into that right. later. Um, but I will say that this is definitely like an improvement over the Godfather 3. I think that it tells 
um, some of the changes that they made, I think that it gets to the point a bit yes. quicker. Yeah. Um, it gets to, to the meat of it a, a bit quicker. It's a, it's a lot, there's a lot less uh, fluff and stuff to it. Um, not that there was a lot to begin with, but I, I, I appreciated that element of, of the, of the story. Definitely. Um, to you, Savon, what did you kind of think about this one? Obviously, um, Godfather Part Three. It's it's not as you know uh, rated and, and kind of esteemed as the first two. What did you kind of mm-hmm. think about the changes with this one and what they were trying to reposition in it? Now I feel like I'm gonna be piggyback. That's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> that it got to the point real quick. I think I don't know. I thought Godfather Three should have never been made because one and two was just phenomenal. And we talked about this off air like yeah. one and two was so phenomenal i didn't think they needed three to kind of like conclude the story but i do think this one got to the point faster um they introduced characters faster i mean the the, the party scene i think everybody you need to know for the storyline was there at their party so i think it got to the point quicker because with with a third godfather you don't need that fluff you don't need to tell a story within the scene of how you shoot it just get to the story godfather one and two does that already so i mean i do think this was a better uh version of godfather three but i'm still not a fan that they should have made it and then they, they waited so long to, until 1990 to kind of like create this third one that is an interesting point that is an interesting point that 18 year gap like ali what did you think about the gap and how long it took after Godfather two to, to make a third one. And did you think Savon didn't think it was necessary, but, but did, did you kind of see the need, the need for it? So I actually did um, a little bit of research about this because I was, I was just very curious because I'll even say that, that Coda is the reason why I even got into the Godfather series. I had heard oh, wow. um, Francis Ford Coppola on um i think it was cbs this morning i was listening to the cbs this morning podcast and i was hearing him talk about it and so i the godfather is like a favorite movie in my family but like i literally had never seen it like i re- like there were i once i saw the first movie i realized that i had seen parts of it because you know how black folks like we just have like <laughs> families we just have movies on yeah like and so yeah. my family is like one of them families that you know it's a family gathering where you're at one another's house like doing stuff or whatever and like you just have like the tv on and a movie is on or whatever so i realized that i had seen like parts of the godfather but i had never like actually sat down and watched the godfather before so like the the scenes from the original that i remember was like um whenever connie like she's pregnant she starts breaking on them plates and whenever Mm -hmm. whenever um they get the call about about carlo and he starts she starts breaking all the plates and then whenever sunny gets marked like those were the those were the scenes that i remember seeing um the most or whatever but anyway so i so i did some research on the godfather 3 on that whole on that whole thing um because i because i was so curious about first of all like why people just why people disliked the third movie so much and (laughs) and some of that and some of that that question what i realized is that or what i learned from some of my research was that um Coppola sees the Godfather one and two as a duology. So it's not really supposed to, it was never intended to be a trilogy. Mm -hmm. So the story that him and Mario Puzo wanted to tell was essentially like, and the reason why it was renamed Coda. So it's Coda, the death of Michael Corleone. So like the reason, so, so that was what 
that was what Coppola pitched to the studio. Mm-hmm. And the studio was like, nah, you can't, you can't do that. Like it's gotta be, it's gotta be the Godfather part three. But the whole thing that, that, uh, that Coppola wanted was for it to be like an epilogue. So you have mm-hmm. these two stories that go, that go together um, in Godfather one and two, and then Godfather three or quote unquote, or the death of Michael Corleone, right. that's supposed to be like an epilogue. And so, so then um, the, the, as far as like the, the gap and stuff goes, different people, so like Puzo never, or uh, well, Puzo and, but really like Coppola didn't really want to make another Godfather movie. Like he just really wasn't, he was just like, you know, I did, I did my two movies. Like that's yeah. what I wanted. That's right. whatever. So there were all these different treatments that different people, that the, that the studio had like uh, greenlit, like all these different things mm-hmm. throughout the eighties, throughout like the early and mid eighties. And I read like some of what some of these like ideas and stuff were, and they were, they were horrible. <laughs> so I'm glad that none of them. <laughs> so everybody, everybody's all like, Oh, the Godfather three is, but no, like, like the Godfather three that we could have gotten versus like what we have like y'all 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 need to be thanking the lord because it could have it could have been it could have been real suspect up in here but anyway so they so there are people throughout the 80s who were like oh yeah let's try to cash in on godfather 3 let's try to make a god and all of the things were horrible well the thing that finally convinced coppola to make a third movie was like he had thrown some money into some movies that hadn't done well. So he kind of needed the money. And so they kind of convinced him like, Oh, Hey, you know, there could be some cash in a Godfather three movie. There could be, you know, it's not, it's 1989, you know, movie came out in 1990, but, but it was filmed in 1989. So they're like, Hey, you know, it can, it can maybe be, it can maybe be a thing or whatever. So I think, so all that, so all that then to say that like, so some of the history of like why it even, why this movie even exists the way, the way that it exists. Right. And so I think that, 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 age gap or that that gap that you have that 16 year gap that you have um in that story um i think that it really i i personally think that it serves the story i think that it would be um that it would have been weird to get like another movie that was like you know right contemporaneous not that you know obviously they couldn't have done that without Pacino but like if they had made the movie earlier like if they had tried to make a movie and they had had everybody and it had Coppola directing it and all the and all the stars had aligned I'm just not sure like what kind of story they would have told because the story in Godfather 2 felt so final Mm -hmm. but I think that having that 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 having that gap I think actually serves the story because it's like you know it's almost it's almost 20 years later what are they what are they doing like if we're if we're gonna see another story because right. you had this whole thing so what so what did you know spoiler alert how did fredo's death quote unquote his death his murder how did that affect how did that affect michael what happened with michael what happened with michael and Kay after he just you know shut that dough up and up in her face and got father too like yeah. what happened <laughs> like, like what what happened a lot of questions a lot yeah. of questions well you have a lot of questions and so i think that you can't that, that like they could not have i don't know if they could have adequately addressed those questions like three years later like right. i don't think that we would have seen i don't think that that we would we just would have gotten a story that just would have been it would have been like a, a you know Godfather shoot 'em up franchise. So I feel like that what we get in this movie is something that's much more reflective on everything. But that's like way more than you bargained for. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> puts a different light on it. Definitely puts a different light on it. 
Um, and I'll get into our first topic from one of four stars. Uh, what would you give it? Um, I would give it three because I feel as though um, it, you know, it, it didn't have the same originality as the first two, but there still is a controlled turbulence and that guides kind of the viewers to salient details and it really kind of clarifies certain lines of the dramatic tension. Um, to, to you, Ali, what would kind of be your rating from one, from one of four stars? Yeah, I would have to go. I would have to go with a three. Maybe, maybe even, I guess over, since we're talking Coda, um, I would maybe give it like three and a quarter stars. So, you know, compared to like the original Godfather, um, compared to the, to the original movie, it's not like the masterpiece that that movie is. Um, <clears throat> that, but, it, but it is also from a different era of film. Um, and yeah. so I think that that, so, so something else that I'll say here, and I, I am not a movie aficionado at all. And there are people that will probably argue with me on this, but I feel like that the Godfather two, or excuse me, the Godfather one. Um, and you can say this about, Rocky one, two, Rocky one also is that those were among the last golden age of cinema movies. Mm -hmm. So then Godfather two and Rocky two, that's a completely different era of movie. And you see that in how the story is told, you see it in how it's shot, you see it in like the film quality itself, like you see it in the cinematography, that that's a completely different era. So then we have The Godfather 3 or Coda um, that was so you have the godfather three because i'll treat them as those as two separate as two separate movies the godfather three you have come out in the 90s right with, and it was shot in 89 which is a completely different era in movies than like the 80s were weird <laughs> in movies good <laughs> but there's a lot of like classic movies it was also kind of like a, a weird kind of some of the storytelling was just weird and how they did things back then and like 1990 kind of gets lumped into that i think that some of the movies i like like i think like, like rocky five is 1990 also and that's just like it's just it's just weird um it's just a weird time in <laughs> franchise movie telling but then coda was 2020 so yeah, it was shot in 1989, but that movie was put together. It came out in 2020, but it was probably, you know, re-put together like, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019. So that's a movie in a different era. So it doesn't, so it, so in some ways it doesn't feel fair even to compare it to the, the first, first two movies. Definitely the first movie because it's a completely different era and the storytelling is so, is so different. So my three and a quarter stars is like, so, so it's like, I, I want to give it like three and a half stars, but then I feel like that that is maybe, is maybe too high for it. But I feel like the three stars is like too low that it's just like, oh yeah, it's a good movie, but it's not like whatever. But I just, I feel <laughs> like, like that. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, just like, okay, whatever. Three, like three, like, okay, I give it, I give it a three. It's not a two. It's not bad. No, it's, it's not just bad. Like, oh. So it's like three and a quarter. I feel like kind of gives it like, it puts a little bit more respect on it than I, than I think that it gets. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to put respect on, on Coda and Godfather <laughs> three in general, but anyway. <laughs> to, to you, Savon, uh, what, what would be your particular rating for it? Yeah. Three stars for sure. That's, I want to give it lower than that, uh, just because I just just don't feel like it should have been made. That's just my opinion. I just, I just feel like one and two were enough. It was enough. It told the, the right story. 
I don't need anything after that. There was no unanswered questions for me after watching Godfather 2. Obviously, that's just overkill if you want three and then now we have Coda. It just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not a fan. Like this whole time, like me watching the film, I was intrigued because obviously it's a, you know, some type of resemblance of Godfather 1 and 2. It's a like kind of like the conclusion of Michael Serioni, whatever. But when I watch 1 and 2, I'm glued to the screen because I'm in awe of what they were creating at that time and there's a head of its time. Now we have similar films that resemble this and who who loves these type of mobster films and Martin Scorsese, who was one of my top five yeah. producers. Uh, I mean, uh, director, sorry, not producer, director. So, I don't know. I just, I'm just, I'm just old school. One and two, like my granddaddy loves one and two. My father loves one and two, like three, <laughs> never. I finally watched three. I watched this one and then I watched three last, yeah. I think last week. And I was like, like <laughs> you were so disappointed. <laughs> yes, bro. Cause one and two, they're stri- extremely long, but I'm like the whole time. I'm just not on my phone. Cause you, you always seem to find something new. While yeah. watching these films, I can't even find, look at my phone. I can't even yeah. look at my phone. Or you find ways how they shot it, or what character, just like like little things, look nuances throughout the film that you just really like. Oh, I forgot, I, I missed that the like the fifth time I watched it. So, but this one I'll give you three stars just because they tried. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to get. <laughs> Giving it a pity three stars, so man. Very, you so might as well just keep it. So just, just keep your three stars. Just, just keep that extra star. <laughs> but I give Coda three stars because they expedited the 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 screenplay a little bit. They got to it. I mean, I think I thought it was shot. I thought it was shot well. I thought um, I think the character development was uh, obviously sped up a little bit, which I love. And then it, it didn't really take away from the characters by doing that. I think it had some. Some little high moments, but I just just the overall concept of shooting this was why I'm not a fan. It's it's my real reason. Pacino carried this film. Pacino carried. Of this course, film. Pacino carried carry him in an ice cream truck. It's a whole film with <laughs> him in an ice cream truck. Pacino <laughs> will kill it, bro. Like I'm watching it. You are. Who are? Like it's yeah. Pacino is funny, bro. Yeah. Pacino is hilarious. And now getting into our next topic, favorite character. Um, I would go with Michael because I feel as though he was still clinging kind of on, onto the final vestiges of honor, uh, of hope, you know, his children and just, you know, this particular depiction of Michael kind of conveyed just the tortured mindset he had. And even that final scene with his daughter, you could just tell just mm-hmm. how draining all the, the tragedy was to him and, and just how it was getting to him over an accumulation of guilt. Um, to you, Ali, who would be your, your favorite character overall? You know, I have thought and thought and thought about this and I can't really... I'm not really sure who my favorite character is. I'm not sure if I if I have if I have a favorite character in this one. I that's feel like first, that there's first. Yeah, I just I feel like that that it was that the movie was such um like a group effort. Um like I think that yeah, Pacino Pacino was carrying it. Like he he was carrying a lot of it on his back at times. Um I think that I will say though, and this is probably controversial, um, that people really so this is this is like an aside, but it's but it's relevant. So my mom um used to have a group on Facebook called like the Godfather Lovers. 
And it was like over a hundred thousand people. My mom's not on Facebook anymore. The group doesn't exist anymore because my mom's not on Facebook. Like she, she just like she got out of the game basically. Like that's, that's whole <laughs> she, she got she got, she got out of the game. That's like, that's a whole that's a whole other story. But like the, so, but the Godfather three would come up a lot in discussions there, and so you had you know people who had been fans you know since the movie came out, and so people always talked about Sofia Coppola. They always talk about um, her performance as Mary as Mary Corleone in in that movie and everybody's like oh we hate Sofia Coppola blah 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 and you know I want to I guess kind of like vindicate uh Sofia Coppola just like a little bit in this um because I feel like that like people like again you know because I because whenever I watch like movies that I'm really into like I care about like the history and like the context and like whatever of how right. it came to be and so like People are like, oh, you know, it's just nepotism and blah, 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 blah. But like that girl literally took that part um, because like they had, so like when Winona Ryder had actually um, shot some of it. So like Winona Ryder was like, you know, the, the it girl of like the late yeah. like 80s or whatever. Uh-huh, yeah. So, you know, people, contemporary people might know her. Um, as the mom on stranger things but she was but she was like that girl in like you know the mid to to late 80s right and so she had actually um she had taken the part she was cast she would have been really good probably um as mary corleone but um she ended up having like some anxiety issues and then she also had um a commitment to the movie mermaids which came out the same year as the movie that she did with Cher. um so she had another, so like she was trying to do, you know, two movies or whatever, um, not at the same time, but she had like these commitments. So she basically had a bunch of nervous anxiety and dropped out of the movie. So they thought about casting Madonna. Um, they thought about casting um, Annabella Shiora. Um, she's mm-hmm. from uh, Jungle Fever. Mm-hmm. Um, she's in, I can't remember what she was in recently. Like there was something that she was in recently. And I cannot think of what it is. Um, but she was, but she was one that they, that they thought about casting. And so, like they thought that you know Madonna was would be would be too old. Um, I actually think that Madonna would have been really good um, in in that role, but I'm glad that she didn't that she didn't do it because um, she needed to have done Evita later, and she wouldn't have done that later. But anyway, um, so I think that like Sofia Coppola like taking that part, like she was a teenager, Mary was literally a teenager. Um, I think it was I think it was the right the right move on Coppola's part, and I think that what that what she brought to the role is that she's like a real kid getting up and playing this role of a real kid. And she, and she brings that and she kind of brings some of that like 1980s teenager, like she's got a little sneer, she's talking or whatever. And she's bringing that realness to the movie. And yeah, it's her first movie. And she, I don't think she ever acted again. She's a director like her dad now and whatever. But I think that like, that like you know for somebody to take on a big role like that and really like you could argue that she's like the center of the movie honestly mm-hmm. yeah, um that's like that's a lot and that's a lot of and that's a lot of pressure and i just think that people i think that if she had if, that if her last name had been anything else um had been anything other than coppola people would have said would have said different would have been different about her but I think that I think that that character of Mary, um, especially because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't really know what was going to happen at the end. I remember I remember family members like saying like my mom saying like whenever she went to go see it in the theater, like I remember her talking about like somebody dying or whatever at the end and how like she couldn't sleep 
like at night like after she went to go see the movie like she like that like that last scene like i didn't but i didn't know who she was talking about i didn't know what was going on so i'm just like okay whatever somebody's gonna die like whatever and it's like oh it's the death of michael corleone i guess he's gonna die <laughs> and, then, and then and then it wasn't him he wasn't it was like oh it's the death of michael corleone but like not like him dying it's like mm. another death that he's dying yes. and um yeah so my mom was like she said that she could she said that she couldn't sleep and that definitely so her so knowing her fate at the end and then re-watching it sub- subsequent re- re-watches i feel like that there's just like this like haunting quality that she that she brings to it in some ways in some ways she's she's godfather's three apollonia um because i think it's the same it's the same kind of thing where you have this young girl um, who isn't this young teenage girl who isn't long for this world and she dies and it's like, and it's like a tragedy and it's, and it's whatever. Yeah. Um, to, to you, Savon, who, who overall was kind of your favorite character? I mean, it's hard not to go with Michael. I'm, I'm just going to go with Al Pacino's um, performance. It's just, it's just something about him to, He's like one of the, I think one of the greats and him portraying, and it's some, some characters that he play are similar, obviously, but I think he brings so much to the table that there's little differences that he can, that you can cite as the viewer that he brings out. Obviously he's going to still have that same tone, same pitch, um, same demeanor, but it's, it's the characters, the way he presents the characters are a bit different. So like even in Godfather Two, I I can see the difference. Obviously, he's older, but the performance is different because now he's in a different state of mind as the character, the developing developing of Michael said. Like so now, like I know I'm rambling. It seems like, but in my head, it sounds really, really good. So if y'all just came in my like in in my you know where my brain is, I think you guys would, would understand. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I understand. I see. I see what you're. I, I completely see what you're saying. That like he brings. It's still Michael, right? Yeah. But like, it's still Michael. But he's bringing something different to that role each time yes. that he plays it. Yeah. Like, there's something different that he brings. So, like, you have young innocent Michael yeah. who you know gets beat up and now he's ready to like he's ready to run up on somebody in Godfather 1. Uh-huh. Godfather 2, you've got this this you know made man with yeah. his money with his whatever protecting his family whatever. Yeah. And then Godfather 3 you have like this this dude who's just basically like trying to get out the game like yeah. he's just he's broken down yeah he's just he's 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 done like he's really he's trying to he's trying to do what he's what his dad had been trying to do and he's like basically his daddy's age and still ain't still ain't did it yet and so it's just like kind of that i'm done with the world but i'm gonna try to make it better for my kids kind of thing Mm -hmm. but your kids is acting some of your kids is that well no they all was acting up in his yeah, but, your, but, your kid, but your kids is wilding out you trying to do better for your kids but your kids is wilding out um your ex-wife is ex-wife and like i mean he just i mean in some ways it's like you know it's almost like an r&b song like an oh. r&b you know? like you got like you just got michael just like you know crying in the shower singing in the rain something like that but anyway and now again to our most memorable scenes um i had i, I dread oh. you also vincent's infamous uh, uh clash with joey zaza the yes. two assassins, one gun, also the helicopter hit. Uh, oh, Michael's that confessing that he ordered the death of his brother. Michael apologizing to Kay. And then finally, uh, Mary being uh, killed at the end. 
Um, to you, Ali, like, were there any particular scenes from this one that you kind of felt as though, like, were maybe the main standouts? Oh, my goodness. So, like, definitely the the hit on the commission. Yeah. Like, whenever whenever that uh, chandelier starts rattling, um, there, the one thing the one thing that I will pick at about that scene is you got all them bullets flying and and Vincenzo and Michael don't even get like don't a get scratch don't like that touched. was like I'm like I'm like bro like y'all y'all didn't even have y'all wasn't even scratched y'all wasn't even partially hit all that all that glass flying around there there wasn't a speck of blood on when them. I was rewatching that I was like man they are just unscathed at all completely unscathed. they was the matrix before the matrix happened they was just like we, could, we, we couldn't we couldn't even see them dodging all them bullets but no but just that but just that scene where it's like all this stuff happens and so whenever you know the plot like whenever oh boy like goes out the room like chases zaza out the room like the first time i saw it i was like okay yeah that old man he going he going after that dude but then whenever you know what's happening you know what's up it's like oh He's getting himself up out of there mm-hmm. because they, because they fit to run up like they pull they pulling up but just that whole scene whenever so you know they sitting there they just whatever and then the stuff starts shaking and then all of a sudden like that's that that scene is is really cool right. um, the scene where Michael has his stroke that is that that scene is really haunting to me like there's just a, there's just a lot like there's just a lot that's happening in that scene and like and there's some there's some hard cuts in the scene i kind of wanted to see what was like in between the hard cuts and kind of like what what i want to i want to see like an outtake and like see how see the multiple takes or see you know what how he played that scene um maybe it's just one of those things where like you know he was doing some stuff and he was doing some stuff that didn't work and they just kind of you spliced what worked together um but i kind of want to know what was what was in those cuts because that scene is just so there's just so much to it especially like the part where he before he collapses finally where he starts calling for fredo um there was just something about that that's like yo like you like you call him for the brother that you had that you, that had, you had killed that you call him for the for the for the brother that you that you murdered effectively you didn't pull the trigger but you murdered him um there was just something there was just something that was very that was very haunting about that um and then um, let's see. I would also say the scene where they where the hit on um, on Zaza. Um, mm. There were a lot of things. There were a lot of things that I felt like were um, callbacks to the other two movies, and were even there were kind of just sort of like out and out callbacks. Like, oh, you have Enzo the baker um, that was in the that was in the first movie that you know he's there and he's and he's cutting the cake. Like, you have some of these different callbacks, yeah. but that but that scene where they do the hit on Zaza. That was very much like the Godfather Godfather Two. Whenever whenever Vito um, does the the hit on Don Finucci, yes, um, like that was that was it was still the same little like the little KKK looking people like that always throws me off. So I'm like, bro, why is the clan at the at the religious holiday? Like, but I know it's like you know a cultural thing or whatever. But it's just uh, that that just always throws me off every time I see it. But you know, you got the you got the people marching through the thing, holding the Jesus and all, and the the you know Fiesta Italiana or whatever it is that's going on there. Yeah. Um, but I felt like that 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 was like a really neat callback, and then um, re- like a lot of that scene in the opera house, but particular but particularly. Um, the part where oh boy 
is playing like he like he did. So he's so like he killed one of the twins, but the twin is holding his oh, is holding yes. him up. And so he's yeah. all like he's all bugged out. And so like so then that's how he gets the other twin is like he th- is like the twin thinks that he's dead and then he gets him. That's like that gets the area because I'm like, man, like why did you it's like it's like Fred and George Weasley or something like that. And it's like <laughs> it's like why like like why did this happen? Um but then but then also like that scream. Like that's oh, like whenever man. you don't, whenever you don't hear that scream, whenever he, whenever she dead, whenever Mary dies and you see him screaming, but you don't hear him screaming and you just hear that music going. And then he's got like that, that drool running out his mouth <laughs> and everything. Yeah. He got, he got, he got the slobber coming out his mouth. I'm just like that, that, that gets me. I mean, I'm not as like sensitive, I guess, as, as my mom is, but I, but I understand why my mom didn't sleep that night. Um, I don't think, I, I'm pretty sure I got like, I, I think I slept that night, but I think I did. Like, I kept thinking about that, like throughout the day, the next day after I watched, I was like, man, he just, he just really like screamed like that. Um, like that was, that was how I, that was how I looked like whenever, whenever, like I was reading like uh half blood prince, I think it was like whenever Dumbledore died. And I was like, you have 20 years spoilers for Harry Potter, but yeah, that, that, that was how I look whenever, whenever Dumbledore died. Um, I was just like, like, I'm just like, no sound is coming out, but yeah, that part was haunting. Definitely. Uh, to you, Savon, to you, like, what were some of the memorable scenes overall in this one? There's no need for me to go, Wellington. You guys have named all the good ones. I don't have none left. There's none I can say. Y'all got oh, all see, the good ones. Oh, see, I was leaving you some meat, but I wasn't really. No, my other no. scene, I forgot about this. There's yeah. that, that you said that because I was like, there's something that I didn't say. Whenever um, Anthony sings Speak Softly Love in Italian, um, like wherever he goes in and he's mm-hmm. and he's singing the theme and he's singing it. Um, I like I like that because sometimes I just one. be singing that song. I, I mean, I can't sing it in Italian, but sometimes I just be singing <laughs> that song. Um, I'll just be in the shower and just be like, you know, singing singing the singing that song. So I was like that like that that dude could sing, and I'm just like, yeah, I like that. I like how that sounded. <laughs> what's your, what's your guys' consensus on Andy Garcia's performance? What, 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 how, how do you guys how do you guys view what he did in this movie? I thought it was okay. I thought he had his moments. Obviously, this is like his beginning of his career. Yeah. But I think Andy Garcia has been in some great films that he's shown his his uh, versatility in his range a little bit. But I think this this was like, you know, it wasn't a memorable uh, performance. That's why we say Al Pacino kind of carry things. But I thought he did enough to convey the character, uh, you know, good enough to be like put it on screen. Like, I don't think the character was supposed to be like this profound uh, piece of the movie. Obviously, you know, that scene. Oh, I do have a scene. Okay, go ahead. Ah, go ahead. yeah. With go Mary and um, Andy Garcia's character were, I think Vincent. they were in the in the kitchen and they were doing the- No. That's your scene? That's oh, your scene? That was a no. bad scene, brother. Oh my goodness! That's his first cousin. I know. That's why it was like eight years old. Look at that scene. That's why it's terrible. Okay, okay, okay. I thought you were saying no. You think I I advocate incest? No, I'm black. I was, gonna say, I, mean, I was imagining Saval every watch. What? It was weird. It was weird. Why did they have this in the movie? It said memorable scenes. That's memorable. Why did they have this in the Why did they have it in the movie? In a bad way. (laughs) I am black. I don't advocate incest. 
Come on. And the and the angle that he's like seven years older than her. She's like that's not 16, even that's not 18. even the worst part. That's your first cousin, brother. <laughs> you out here? Uh, what's the what's the Patrick Swayze and the, the Demi Moore with the with the pottery? It's worse. <laughs> Y'all doing it with pasta, Italian <laughs> way. That's so weird, bro. And uh, yeah, yeah. But I think his performance was it was it was okay. It was it wasn't like crazy but i think this was like the beginning stages of his career but he's had had moments where he showed his range and capability definitely um and now getting to our most memorable quotes i had uh, your sins are terrible it, 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 it is just that you suffer also give up my daughter this is the price you pay for the life you choose yep. um it's not personal it's business never let anyone know what you're thinking uh, power wears out those who do not have it also mm-hmm. never hate your enemies it affects your judgment yep. um just when i, I thought that, that thought i was out they bring me back in um, to, to, that that would be the one I would have because I mean like that was the, the yeah it, it really flipped yeah. the switch for, for for that part of the movie. So you, Ali, uh, what kind of quotes would you have in this one to be like maybe the the standouts? So yeah, definitely. I feel like that the classic one that everybody always quotes is you know just when I get out they pull me back in like that's <laughs> like that's the that's the main the main one from that. Um, but I'm gonna take a different direction and say um, whenever. Vincent says, love somebody else. So she's like, so, so Mary is all like, you know, he's, he's breaking up with her, like breaking up with her, breaking up with her. Like he's broken up with her like a couple different times in the movie, but he's like, this is like the definitive, he's the Godfather now. He cannot be with her. Um, you know, whatever, like he doesn't want it with Michael. So he cannot be with her. And, you know, she's all like, I love you, whatever, whatever. And she just, and he is just like, love somebody else and walks off. Like that was that was very cold. Like just so that just the way that he delivered that line was was so was so cold. Now, I think that they sort of I'm not sure kind of if there were some different directions that they were going to take with that, because you do see kind of later like there's some affection between them whenever they're actually um, in the balcony, in the in the theater watching the show. Like there's some there's some kind of passing moments of affection. So I'm not sure. So it kind so that scene that scene or that moment kind of doesn't make sense because you still see that. So I, I think that the way that they played that scene, I'm not sure if they were going to take a different angle with it originally or if they were trying to play like unrequited love or something but it still just came off as like this is the same thing that that y'all have been doing the whole entire movie so Mm -hmm. it's not different um and i think that that either of those could could be could be viable explanations but just the way that he delivered the, the way that he delivers that line um and i don't really feel like that um andy garcia got very many like good or memorable lines in the movie, like I, I think that he kind of got, um, I think that he kind of got like shafted in that respect because he just didn't. I, I don't really feel like that he that he he got some action, but he didn't really get like dialogue, or maybe it was just that his dialogue he didn't deliver it like in a in a particularly like compelling way. Like, that be. line he yeah. that line he yeah. did. Yeah, definitely. Um, to you, Savon, what were kind of the memorable quotes in, the, in this film overall? I mean, Michael had all the good ones, but to, to pick up what you said, Ellie, I think this movie was a three, two hours and some change. Pretty two sure, hours and 37 hours, minutes. Pretty sure they had like five hours of full Westcom. I'm pretty sure they cut a lot of his dialogue out yeah. from this movie. Yeah, for sure. But Michael, friends and money, oil and water was a, was a nice line. Um, never let anyone know what you are thinking. I thought it was a dope line. 
Um, and then when he was talking to Kay, she's like, I feel I'm getting wiser now. The sicker you get, the wiser you get, huh? He's like, when I'm dead, I'm going to be really smart. Like, Michael just had the comebacks. His dialogue witty. was yeah, it's very witty. You could tell why he was the godfather, why he yeah. ran things. Um, but now nah, he had all the, the great ones. When they come, they come at the one you love is another good one. So, yeah. My- Aren't some of those lines callbacks to the first movie? I, I think that the don't let people don't let anyone know what you're thinking. That's a that's a veto. Yeah, line. I felt like a veto line. Yeah, it was, like what, line. what veto says is don't let anybody outside. So he says it to Sonny. Yes. So yes, like he says it to Sonny, don't let anybody outside the family know what you're thinking. And then I feel like what was the last one you said, Savon? Uh, when they come, they come at the one you love. I feel like the veto said that in the first movie. I could be wrong though. But yeah, I, that's that's very interesting. Now he, that I feel you like, say that, that's a very I good. I feel point. like he said something yeah. very similar to that. I you could be. be right. I could be wrong. No, so. you. I think you're ninety five percent in there. It's somewhere <laughs> in there. I think you're right. Because may isn't that would that like the character? Because oh, now you got me thinking. Now I got to go back and watch the first one and then the second one because I haven't watched them in a minute. Maybe I should have did that before I watched this one. Maybe I don't know. We who who cool? Yeah, that, 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 that concept that concept sounds That's seven hours familiar. Like I feel like that, that was that he was that he was saying that. Whenever he was, whenever he was acting as, because I feel like that's a veto line, and I feel like he was saying it whenever he was acting as consigliere. But I could, but I could be wrong. I could be, I could be right though. uh, I could be making that up. And uh, now getting to our next topic, what did you like the most about the storyline? To me, just you know how Michael's deeper motivations are spelled out. He really, there's a lot of remorse in this film that we rarely see. Um, in the last one, even later on, even after um, uh, Fredo's death, it, it's it's not there. But this one, you see more so of him thinking about all of the transgressions he's made in the past. Um, mm-hmm. To you, Ali, kind of what particular element of the storyline did you like the most? I liked some of the reflective nature of it, um, particularly like that, going back to like that speak softly love scene. Yeah. When you see... Um, him dancing with uh or yeah you see him dancing with apollonia and stuff and then um you get that later on with um with mary you see kind of like that same thing which i think also is another way that they that they draw the parallel um to apollonia and then something as we is i don't know if we'll get to it but something that we that we didn't point out has been how it ends differently how coda ends differently oh yeah three yes. so the ending so the ending is very different yeah and the and the meaning of the ending to me because the ending is different the meaning of the ending is different for me so kind of pulling on your question that element i think that what i like about coda better than the godfather three I did not like at the end of the Godfather three, whenever you see Michael, cause actually that was the thing that, that upset me about Godfather three was at the end, whenever you see him and he's alone and he dies and he falls out of the chair and he's by himself and he's just and so, and so you have no idea, like there's just the dogs. And so like almost the implication is that he has, he's this old man who's died alone. Mm-hmm. And there was just something about that, that even yes, Michael did a lot of dirt, like, yes, whatever. I felt like that that was the, that wasn't the ending that he deserved, especially after after what had happened to Mary. And so knowing that it was supposed to be the death of Michael Corleone, I felt like that that ending was unfair to him. But this other ending, I feel like with the implication, so that the other move, the, the uh, coda ends 
with Michael, he's just an old man by himself. He was putting on his glasses. That's it. And so for me, I feel like that the implication of that, yes, it's implied that he maybe is old and, and dies alone. But more, I think that the implication of it is that he is having to feel the weight of the consequences mm-hmm. of everything that yep. he's done. And so him yes. dying at the, so, so us seeing him fall out the chair, it's like, it's almost, it's just, it's, it just feels, and I know that that's horrible, but it just feels really unfair to Michael and not that he deserves fairness, but it's just like, oh, so, so, so he died. I think that I would much rather think of Michael of like, you, so you see him like dancing with Mary and whatever. And the fat, and so the juxtaposition being there that he has to live with that, that he's having to live with that. He doesn't get to, he doesn't get to escape it at the end by dying, yes. by dying. He has to live with that. So I think, um, so, and it's not just Mary, it's Fredo, it's Apollonia. It's like all these things that he's having to live with. And so I think that that, that, that is, um, that that is a very compelling kind of element of the story that, that that's the death of Michael Corleone. The death is his daughter dying. That's, mm-hmm. that is the thing that killed him. But then he is having to live with that and he is having to die over and over again because he's living with that for the, for the rest of his life. That's a really good point. Beautifully explained yes, by the way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Ghost of his past. I like the, I like this ending a bit, better obviously because now instead of his kids you know walking away like he's like yeah i like that his daughter dying he has to relive that over and over him trying to get um his wife back failing over and over it's like him dying slowly and him in loop like it's a a doctor strange film like he's Mm. he's in he's in loop constantly and i I love the aspect of it because fighting the ghost of his past trying to find a move that will give him peace of mind and then yeah. him having to live with all of the bad decisions, him, his kids not loving him or walking away from him or dying. So I love that aspect of it, that an old man trying to make men's from his past, but still failing in that pursuit. I like that about that. I like that about the screenplay. Yeah. Um, and now getting to our next topic, 10 years from now, do you still think it'll be um, watchable and intriguing? Um, it, it's obviously uh, a much older film and, it's an interesting, it's an interesting conversation because sometimes you can say like, com- with what it's stacked up against, it's gonna get lost in the shuffle. I, I do think elements of this, like there, there are great moments. Al Pacino had great moments in it. Um, mm-hmm. It's some people will will go back to it, but not as much as the first two. It's just, it's always gonna have that burden of just being behind these these few films. To you, Ali, um, how do you view kind of the the, the watchability and intriguing of it um, for future years? Yeah, I think that Coda is um, in that like Godfather canon. Um, I think that it's important to like Coppola's storytelling, like like that, like not just Coppola, but also but also Mario Puzo, like this this character um, that he that Puzo slash Coppola kind of created. Puzo created him, but um, Coppola kind of like fleshed him out, and so I think that 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 that. the story is important to that. And I think that um, this is answering the question, but it's kind of an an aside that the, that the Godfather three is not actually available on streaming anymore. Yeah. Like you can't even, you can't even find it like once. um, And that that's relative. So, so Coda came out in 2020 
whenever Coda came out, you could still stream Godfather three. Um, and then I want to say probably cause I, cause I watched the, the stuff I, I've been watching it the past, like uh, the series for the past, like three years or whatever in December. Like I always, I always do a marathon of them. And so I, I think within a year they had taken it down from taking Godfather three down from, from all streaming platforms. And if you search the Godfather three coda is what comes is what comes up. And so it's almost like, regardless of like, I, I have the Godfather three, um, I have, I have both versions of them. So I'm able to watch and whenever I watch it, I watch both versions, um, of it. So I think that that's interesting. I think that, that that's an interesting commentary. I think even from Coppola that he's saying like, this is the movie, the, one. <laughs> the, the other one, <laughs> the other one does not exist. Yeah. This, this <laughs> is the movie. And so I think that from that standpoint, even from that standpoint, Coda, um, I think is, is important because I think that it's, it, it's important in telling the story of cope if for any other reason maybe if it's not if maybe if the story isn't about michael corleone the story is about coppola and how he took this movie um that a lot of people panned like people were like okay yeah it's good it's like you know it's good for like a movie it's good among the movies that came out that that year because i think because i want to say like Rocky Five came out that year. I'm pretty sure Silence of the Lambs came out that year. Came out. It might, Silence of the Lambs might have been like a year or two after, um, but it's kind of in in that same thing, in that same kind of era, or whatever. That like, yeah, it's good for that movie, but it's not good for the for the Godfather. Mm. I think that that that's that in a way, this is kind of um, this is kind of like Coppola uh, being able to uh, rehab that movie. I'm on I, that that thumbs up thing. So I so I am I on serious. a MacBook, and that's like a thing now. Like I, I need to turn the gestures Yo, off. Like it I happened like, to me the other day on Duo, and I was like, "Whoa, I didn't do it." Time, I don't know what I did, but like I was talking to somebody, and I did something like this, or like I was like talking, and there was it was fireworks, and I was like. I don't know. Maybe I was doing like I don't know. Like I, I can't trigger it. I don't know what I did, but I was just like I remember I was going like this, and then because I was getting real animated, I was like whatever, and then all of a sudden it was fireworks, and I was like, "Yep, where'd the fireworks come from?" I would have got off that call immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "They're I was watching." Like, <laughs> I was like, like, like what? Like, what? Oh what my happened? goodness, that's um, weird. But yeah, so so anyway, so I feel like that that if if. Coda isn't about Michael Corleone. Like if we say like, okay, well, whatever, it's a whatever story. I think that it's a, that it is Coppola kind of in a way rehabbing his legacy or taking something that people, that we think the critical reception of the time was, was okay. The fan reception was not okay right. with it, but he was taking it and trying to, and trying to rehab it. And it's, and it's, I don't even. I can't say that it's similar to what um, Stallone did with Rocky versus Drago because I, I don't even really know why Stallone made Rocky versus Drago, but it's better than Rocky Four. And we had, I think, we had this conversation yeah. the last time that I was on. That's, <laughs> that is a hill that I will die on. That Rocky Four sucks, and and it's it's the worst one. It's worse than Rocky Five. I hate that movie. Um, but rock, and I know that that's that that, that among Rocky, Rocky fans. <laughs> Every, but, but no, Rocky, y'all don't give Rocky five its flowers. Again, it was a movie made in 1990. <laughs> it was, it was a 1990 movie. It was, and with, with no budget. They did that with no budget. They made that movie with no, if they, it looked if they like had, it. 
And, and exactly. <laughs> Who's, that, 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 that ain't Stallone's fault. If you would if you would have given that man some coins, that movie would have been better. I they like given the that- Drago one. I I like so Rocky. Memorable. That's the super memorable. Yeah. One. Him running in the snow. I can't, I can't, I cannot stand that movie. It is, I cannot stand that movie. I break you now. What? You don't like that? (laughs) I cannot, I can't, I can't stand that that movie. I I can't stand how they do Apollo. I just, I cannot, I cannot stand that movie. That's what it is. That's what it is. I can't. I can't stand that movie. Paulo did Rocky, die though, weird though. He died weird. He did. He did. He did. I mean, why did they had a they had Apollo out here looking like some crazy old some crazy old nationalist man? Now, first of all, what what black man? What what black man who lived who lived through segregation, mind you, <laughs> is gonna be out here? We can't we can't let the Russians they did they did, they did Apollo dirty. dirty. They did hit dirty. Now Rocky versus Drago <sighs> rehabbed rehabbed that mess so hard. Oh and I love I, I stand Rocky versus Drago. Like I love that movie. That movie needed like a wide theater release. Stallone needed to do with with Rocky versus Drago what um what Coppola did with Coda. Rocky Four just don't exist anymore. All all there is is Rocky is Rocky versus Drago. But anyway. That's insane. But Save anyway, on. I think- Save on. we haven't reviewed any Rocky movies, so when we do our Rocky review, she's got to be on for the Rocky Rocky one review. She's <laughs> I, like, I, like I know that every everybody I say because I watch Rocky every year, and I say this every year, and people get so mad at me, and I'm like, y'all, Rocky Rocky Four, y'all have an emotional attachment to Rocky Four, and it, and it is not a good movie. I don't like Three. Three is, oh, three is amazing. Hold up, hold up, Savon. Three is amazing. Hey, we gotta wait because we gotta, 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 to kind of have his moment. And so I think that that, so the movie, so the movie's lasting relevance, if it's not because of the story, it's because of that, that that will make, that that's what makes the movie relevant. Absolutely. Uh, so you say, Vaughn, no. what do you kind of, okay, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> you know how I feel. <laughs> you know how I feel about this. Shoot. <laughs> I Easy said no. It in the Easy y'all. no for you. <laughs> I haven't watched it till this week. <laughs> It's been out a while, right? This is required of you. That movie's been out since 1990. Yeah, and I have not even touched it. That movie's been out for 33 years. That movie's been out as long as Jesus was alive. You ain't seen that movie. <laughs> you didn't name me. <laughs> You're not but, supposed to make me do that. I'm sorry, Willington. <laughs> but. But before we wrap up, we always do this with, with ranking um, movies in a series. Uh, and and obviously this has the, the, the first two are so good. Like in terms of like the official rankings, like to me, two would go. I would put two at number one. I think two is is, is the better Godfather. I would put one. At You're two. crazy. No, I'm not crazy. We're You're gonna, crazy. No, I'm not crazy. Those are so. S- it's in the right order, Wellington. One, two. Uh, two, two, two at one. One at two. Godfather for Godfather Code at three and then Godfather three at four. Ali, what's what's your ranking? You're insane. Okay, y'all gonna get mad at me. One is number one. 
<laughs> Coda is number two. Oh no, no, no. Godfather three is no, number four. No, no, no. Let me let me finish. Let me let me finish. God Godfather number two is at number four. Now I am not what I am not saying by that ranking. I am not saying that Godfather two is a bad movie. I am not. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. What I am what I am saying is that Godfather my my diminishment my putting it below Godfather three is that that movie should have been two movies. Those movies the, those storylines had nothing. They're good stories had nothing to do with one another. So you said you out here wasted my time for three and a half hours watching this long watch it's a good movie but i'm sitting here i'm trying to understand like why why are we jumping why why is it it's 1901 it's it's 1958 it's 1919 it's what it's all this like make make two movies make two movies that's that's i I, I just i just want that i can't believe what i just heard I want Coppola to go back, and I want him to make Godfather Two and Godfather Two and a Half. I don't want. Oh, it no, did not want it to. It no. did, it, it did a podcast. I told y'all. I'm so hurt. I'm so hurt. hurt. But I'm not saying that it's a bad movie. It is a really good movie. I'm not saying this is a bad movie. It, I'm just oh. like, like, really, it's more the it's, duality like, of the story is what made it so impressive. The duality showing the younger Vito, and then. Michael's rise that was that was a masterpiece master I just I could I I it just it didn't for for me it didn't do it was not as transcendent but I love so so again I'm not saying that God that's not like oh Godfather 2 sucks that's just like that's just saying that like I I just in terms of like movies that it's like oh I like this like I like that I like it and like I'm, I'm like oh my gosh I like like this is whatever I just feel like that I can that that Godfather three yeah. no. fits in that more Absolutely in terms not. in terms of like nope. watchability and like being like okay like I don't have to sit here and like stare at every single detail no. of it to know to know this, what's happening. This was a good, I could just, a good session and close it out. Close it out. Savon, close it out. Y'all done with me, but it can't. Give me your ranking. Give me your ranking. Beautifully, it's a beautiful movie. You did so well tonight until you just did that. I, I, like, it's a controversial. Fixer upper. What are we doing? It's a controversial opinion, I know, but I enjoy. I enjoy Godfather Three. I need you to get a make a shirt and rank them. On your shirt and wear that in public, please. And, no, I live on the south side of Chicago. I'm not doing that. You gotta do that now. That's it's. Everybody has to know. Like you, who just? Put, I oh, didn't even know, Ali. I didn't even know you felt this way. I thought two was like high for you. I was. This actually. I, I feel like I've said this publicly I'm before, so, and people have gotten mad at I'm me. Before. So confused. I feel like that. I feel like I've gotten drug like publicly for this before, but I. But but. I stand by it, and again, I, I love I the series. You, but I love that movie. It's just that one is my favorite, you and know, I just and I just like watching Godfather three more than I do watching yeah, Godfather. But I love watching Godfather two. I just enjoy three watching three better. Yeah, that's that's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. What's, what's your ranking? Uh, what's your ranking? It's one two, and then it doesn't matter <laughs> after that, bro. <laughs> one and two, they're so good. One and two. <laughs> 
But I don't think, well, let's see, you you close to being cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs too. How? Because why do you have two before one? That's insane. They are Wait. both great. It's just I like two I, I like two a little better. They're both what great. What do you like about My, two better? I think one is the more memorable one, but I think two, I just I just really I'm I'm biased towards the duality of showing the there young you Vito. You and biased. I'm biased. And the rise and the rise of Michael. I think those were two incredible. We didn't even see Robert De Niro and Al Pacino on the same on the screen at the same time, and they were both giving masterful performances separately. I thought it was, I thought it was amazing I, to to see those two and what they were doing and that duality of the story. I thought I thought that was great. Yeah. Now one is the more memorable one. One has all I'm the memorable scenes. I'm ready to go to bed in. now. Okay. I'm ready same to go to bed because <laughs> you guys have really <laughs> just blew my mind. The Rocky list is going to be even crazier. Just wait till we get to oh, the Rocky that's, list. Oh, we, we, that's going to be two hours long because I'm going in on three. Yeah, Clubber Lane. I'm going. What kind of name is that, Clubber Lane? One of the best Rocky opponents ever. Come yes, on. Come on. Absolutely. Come on, fool. Yeah, fool. I'm going to hit you all night, fool. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Tidy. He point. He playing a character. He's playing a character, oh. man. He played that he character played every movie he played, especially 18. <laughs> bro, I'm not a fan of well, Mr. T, bro. I'm not a fan of Mr. T. I'm not a fan of Mr. T. <sighs> but well, yeah, I, that's a whole <laughs> another one. <laughs> well, Ali, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on it. And thank you so so much for doing this. I don't know if y'all gonna have me on again after, after I say we that. Gotta, we gotta do we gotta we gotta we gotta argue about Rocky. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's gonna, that's gonna be a discussion. It should just we should just talk just about the rankings. Just about the rankings. Just about the just just argue just about the ranking. And are we gonna include Creed so I can so I can yes. have myself Creed okay. too. So we're so it we're gonna well. include the Creed movies in in the ranking. Okay. Yes. All that's that. gonna be definitely okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. I like that. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Winter Burns. I'm my kind of bar, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later. <laughs>